This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where our listeners are held in place with magnets. I'm one of your hosts, the untwistable podcaster Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. All hail King Homer, it's Henry Gilbert. And who do we have on the line? Our special guest today. A gerbil getting thrown through a basketball hoop garbage can, Andrew Jupin. And this week's episode is Dog of Death. I know you're upset. Darn right I'm upset. Bart, watch your language. Oh, you did. Sorry. This week's episode originally aired on March 12th, 1992, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby. Warren Beatty marries Annette Bening. My Cousin Vinny debuts at number two at the box office, but can't beat Wayne's World. And Bill Clinton is now the presumptive nominee after Super Tuesday of the 1992 Democratic primary. I always want to say, especially when we have a movie uh, expert guest here, I always want to talk about the what's number one in the box office, but it's been very boring the last month because mm. it's just always Wayne's World in the, this time. <laughs> like, Wayne's World, is, it can't be beat. Well, it's got but, the dark horse of my cousin Vinny charging up the rear. Yes. This is a cosmic sign, though, guys, that I have been dancing around a Wayne's World rewatch for, like, several months now. So this is a sign to purchase that 4K and go back to Aurora, Illinois. Oh man, seeing it in 4K, man, I, that'd be, I, I, it's giving me the feels to rewatch it. No, <laughs> we, we were just talking about it with, uh, with a, f- uh, a previous guest and, and friend of yours as well, Griffin Newman, mm-hmm. uh, when we were trying to say, like, well, what's the best SNL movie? And he said, like, he, he thinks it is, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I believe he was feeling that Wayne's World was the best one. Well, we, we can't count a uh, Corky Romano, so it's <laughs> a bit unfair. <laughs> Lauren Michaels didn't produce it, so no. it doesn't really count no <laughs> no uh but yeah my cousin Vinny, i had just seen it for the first time as an adult i'm sorry late late 2022 it's delightful uh i think people oh, yeah. have forgotten about it and for a long time people were salty about marissa tomei winning was it a people's choice award it a was Golden the Globe? oscar it, oh, was, was, the it was the oscar, oscar. okay award. Yeah, it was a real award. No wonder. <laughs> uh, but she's amazing in that movie. She totally is. That was like a weird. Because I think it was uh, Nicholson that presented it, and they were like, "Oh, the rumor was like, oh, Jack Nicholson read the wrong name on the card or something like that." But you're totally right, Bob. You go back and rewatch that movie. She's fantastic. It's a totally earned Academy Award. I think people were salty because it was a comedic performance, and the other mm-hmm. nominees weren't. And this was a time we were very serious about Oscar movies. I think. Big time. Yeah. I mean, we still hate comedy honoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the reaction to this win set back comedy winning uh, even farther, probably. <laughs> I mean, on top of that, too, she was a relatively new actress and the character she was playing uh, was a little ditzy. And, and uh, that was part of her the performance. And she's so right. good at it that I think people chalked it up of like, oh, this dumb broad. She wanted <laughs> yep. more like they, they didn't understand it was acting. Yeah, they got fooled hard. She's so <laughs> good. good. 
Speaking of reading the wrong name at the Oscars, Warren Beatty, everybody, uh, <laughs> marrying Annette Bening. I, I forgot this fact about him because, uh, you know, he's not been in movies for a while. Also, I don't know where Annette Bening has been. Oh, well, she was in that Captain Marvel movie. She I mean, is she yes. in real things, though? Is she in <laughs> she's real movies? In a, she was in a really great Mike Mills movie called 20th Century Women that I would 100% recommend. It's the movie he did right before Come On, Come On a few years ago. Uh, it's her, Greta Gerwig. I believe there's a Fanning sister in there. Yes, Elle Fanning. Really, really, really solid movie with a total uh, banger soundtrack. Obviously, I only watch Marvel movies, which people can assume <laughs> based on how that was the only movie I could think of there. Yeah, I didn't know they were married until, uh, as because uh, I was not like a celebrity watcher, mm -hmm. until I remember when Annette Bening uh, won the Oscar for... Uh, American Beauty and every uh, movie like again I uh, can't go back to that <laughs> but but when she won it they uh, they kept shooting I feel like there were jokes all night about like Warren Beatty uh, being jealous or something like they kept <laughs> they kept making jokes about him all night you know American Beauty is the movie about how Kevin Spacey wasn't seducing an underage boy that's an important <laughs> fact that's right <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was big news at the time that Beatty was marrying a woman just 22 years younger than him at the time. But as far as I can tell, they are still together. Like, I believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the very least, if they are quietly separated, it is not in the news. <laughs> I I think once you're in your 80s, you're no longer us magazine fodder. There's no pictures <laughs> of you canoodling at Spago on the front page. Did you guys see him debasing himself on the internet with this Dick Tracy thing? I haven't watched it yet, but I got the general gist of it, like copyright preservation. That's mm. awful. <laughs> it's incredible i think well first off i think it's incredible that with the, i guess the dick tracy estate or whatever that yeah. the rules are it doesn't even have to be a movie it can just be a tv special where he just like Yikes. puts on a bad costume and <laughs> says hello i am dick tracy <laughs> dude but, and he's just like old and like mm. the suit was really kind of big on him oh it's pathetic it's very sad i appreciate <laughs> that he's so callous and upfront about this copyright renewal special <laughs> yes yeah, and uh honestly it seems like he thinks he will live forever because are you going to be him at 90 like yeah. training oh, yeah, the know? younger dick tracy what's going on in this dick tracy too that you've been dreaming of for 30 Four years? Thirty Jesus, three yeah. years. And yeah. he was quite old when that movie came out to begin with. Like it's mm -hmm. it is one of those things like uh I'm I'm stealing this thought actually from Mike Reese, uh executive producer of The Simpsons. He said this about Elizabeth Taylor when he was growing up. He's like, Liz Taylor never starred in any movies when I was growing up. Like, who cares? She's not and that's that is sort of how I feel about Warren Beatty. Like he's other than Dick Tracy and Bullworth, no he hasn't been in a movie that was in town and country that was released in my lifetime. Like he's, he's like famous for being famous. Totally. I would say give Ishtar a shot with him and uh, Dustin Hoffman, the Elaine May movie. That's like a famously derided movie that uh, like totally tanked. It's received a bit of a uh, sort of like of reevaluation the last few years. And uh, it's really funny. I just knew it as the punchline. I've never yeah. given yep. it a chance. Yeah, no, me yeah. too. I didn't see it until I was probably 30 something, you know, during that, you know, recent reevaluation, probably with only in the last like, five years or so. When I started reading Mad Magazine in the late 80s, my main takeaway was, boy, they really hate Ishtar. <laughs> also, what is Ishtar? <laughs> totally. Uh, 
Yeah, I knew it as a name from like also like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. I think they brought it up a yes, few times too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> In that Dick Tracy special, like Leonard Malton, me and Bob were chatting about it a little before, and Leonard Malton looks generally concerned for Warren Beatty. He's like, "Oh dear, this is too bad." Like, uh, and the Warren Beatty is sure he is not old. Like he that when he read that uh, La La Land instead of Moonlight, he stayed on stage to say like they handed me the wrong envelope. I did not misread yep. it i did yep. not have a brain fart i'm not old him interviewing himself as dick tracy was his version of drawing the clock <laughs> to show you how sharp he was you can't interview yourself if you have advanced alzheimer's uh Though, uh, the one last uh, fun fact about Annette Bening and Warren Beatty's uh, union, though, is uh, of their four kids, one is a uh, transgender son who they are very supportive of. Oh, so, very nice. Oh, that's oh, nice. That's cool. That's nice. It's nice when uh, you've learned the inverse of a J.K. Rowling fact about a famous person. <laughs> so, uh, and, yep, we're on our way to Clintontown. Bill Clinton uh, is is the nominee. of the, the Unexpectedly, the, he is now the nominee, and uh, but nobody thinks he's going to win. Soon to be mocked mercilessly by the Simpsons. <laughs> but joining us today is Andrew Jupin of We Hate Movies. Of course, Andrew is here because he's a very funny guy, but also I know for a fact, as a We Hate Movies listener, he has a sweet little dog named Marty. Aww. Yes, and she's right here laying on the floor. And I will say, she very much... Um, not so much in coat color, but in like body shape, very much resembles Santa's little helper. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Was yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, she uh, a mix? Total mix. Yeah. She has like a brindle coat. Um, she was a rescue. So we haven't done that's those, adorable. you know, dog DNA. <laughs> yeah, that thing's uh, weird. So, yeah, I don't know if I can trust that, you know, especially with a mutt. Like, I wouldn't know what to believe. No, I, uh, <laughs> I meanwhile, I can't believe all these people send their DNA to these uh, to find out their genealogy. For, like, personally, and it's like that. That is certainly going to be sold to pe like every company possible when they yep. after they tell you you're like half Scotch Irish or whatever. Hey, yep. I had to apply for permanent residency in Canada. Every part of me is for sale at this point. <laughs> <laughs> There was no fluid they didn't examine. <laughs> really uh, uh, snout to tail there, Bob, huh, before they yes. let you in permanently? X-rays, stool samples, you name it. <laughs> this episode, uh, you know, I haven't owned... We had two dogs growing up until after I was eight, we were a cat family. Uh, and so mm. I, I haven't uh, had a dog since then, but uh, yeah, this, I think this really captures what it's like in general, like the, the pains of pet ownership too. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I never had a dog, always wanted one. My sister was allergic to every animal mm. and oh. almost everything until a certain age. So we grew up having alternative pets. And because of that, to this day, I've got a very lovely bird who is my best little animal pal, but Still, uh, never a dog in my life, and maybe at some point in my life there will be one. But I, I do, I, I really love dogs. Yeah, we had dogs growing up. We had a couple of dogs. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I'm actually deathly allergic to cats. So deathly is an exaggeration, but you know, I don't have long in a room before the sniffles start. If, a, if especially a long-haired cat is floating around, so we were uh, sort of strictly a dog family. Although, uh, just like this episode, definitely went through uh, a couple of hamsters dying on mm. me. Actually, I think we got the hat trick. Three uh, deceased hamsters. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> one of which injured itself very, very seriously on stucco walls that my parents had in the dining room. You know what stucco walls are? Like, sort of like spiky, like, pointy. Yeah, it's like pointy plaster walls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was very, it was very big in like the 80s and 90s. And the hamster got out of its cage 
and got stuck between the hutch and one of these one of these walls and cut itself horribly. And my father was like, well, that's the end of this hamster. Right. And we were like, no surgery. (laughs) And when I tell you the money that was dropped on this little thing that wound up getting another like year of life out of it. But man, it had a little like uh, neck collar and everything. My father was furious. That hamster survived a stucco crucifixion. It did. It really did, Bob. Oh, that's my dad also had to be heavily talked into and guilted about uh, spending money on pet stuff because he, you know, look, I he I like a pet just fine, but but you can just get another one at the store. Like it's not uh, you had to talk him out of it uh, though. Mm-hmm. Though then eventually that old cat that we convinced him to get a good surgery on that it gave it a, another lease on life. When that cat did finally pass away, he was sadder than all of us. So, uh, see, that's how yeah. it always goes. They fall for them. They definitely do. <laughs> but they pretend they don't. That's mm. that's how that's how old dads are. <laughs> but, that's right. Do are you, are you a fan of Clockwork Orange as well? For, <laughs> this yes, the, and I, you know, as as much as one could be a fan of that movie, it's sort of a weird. I mean, I I think it's a well made movie that I do own on 4K, and it is on the uh, two watch shelf right in front of me here. So I am getting all sorts of reminders. Uh, from you guys about stuff I keep meaning to rewatch, so thank you. I think the first of many Clockwork Orange references coming up in The mm-hmm. Simpsons. Yeah, yes, they, they we're only uh, well, we're another year away from their rather cheeky reference to the topless woman uh, with with a pair of cupcakes. And we're pretty close to Bart dressed as Alex, right? Yeah, that's yeah. his uh, Halloween costume in the next treehouse. Yeah, but yeah, they've discovered a new thing to reference instead of two th- instead of Godfather two thousand one Citizen Kane. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because the origins of the story. You mentioned that your family repaired the the, the ailing hamster. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from John Swartzwelder who uh, he had a Santa's little helper in his life, but the family didn't pay for the surgery. So uh, this episode is a happier version of that tale. Yeah. Oh, boy. Poor John. It's, it's how it goes. Yeah. That's well, especially like John Swartzwelder was a kid in like the fifties, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah, even and also there's probably less uh, medical advances than of like what could even save a dog. That's back sure. when they made movies about shooting sick dogs. <laughs> right. That's, we have to kill yeah. a mockingbird and old Yeller. <laughs> no, I, I. You know, I was noting that this episode does feel like a real interesting middle ground for for simpsons i i think we talked about this uh before when you you're on two andrew that some people see season three as kind of a gray area of like oh well simpsons doesn't get really crazy until season four but this is one of those episodes that shows you that while the pitch that sold on paper sounds more like a season one or two of like the dog gets sick and that they then learn to love their dog and not take him for granted in practice this episode is full of inc- like crazy cutaway and some of the funniest like zaniest things they've done oh yeah absolutely i mean the entire setup the whole town being stricken with lotto fever i had forgotten that all of that was in this episode and it is just great all the brockman stuff really great brockman throughout this um i loved like the tan gag so much perfect (laughs) stuff but then on the other side you're totally right i'm like sitting there watching the poor dog you know and my heartstrings are being tugged at quite successfully for a Simpsons mm-hmm. episode. 
And uh, and also I was thinking about this. We just did separate vocations, and in that one I mentioned the the long New Yorker piece about uh, how it it from 2000 where they're like, oh, it's really the writer show. But I was thinking like this episode shows that, like it's the animation does it so well. Mm. Like you could have this great Schwarzwelder script, but bad animators would make it crappy. And I think that like I I think of Schwarzwelder now as one of the best like gag writers for cartoons of his mm. generation and and he had the right team for it and and also speaking of New Yorker in Schwarzwelder's uh, New Yorker interview from a, a couple of years ago this was listed along with like five other episodes as one of his favorites he ever wrote like he named this oh, by wow. name as one of his favorites yeah did he he did not write uh, Bart Stock gets an F correct no now I believe that was VD okay uh, was VD. this episode blows that one out of the water whenever yes, I watch yeah. Bart Stock gets an F I'm like oh this should be Dog of Death I'm, <laughs> I'd rather be watching Dog of Death I'm thinking of all the great Dog of Death jokes yeah <laughs> And yeah, it's it's two. This is directed by Jim Reardon, who again one of the like top five best directors of the series. Too I think him and in Schwarzwelder are a great pair. But yes, this uh, this episode begins with a parody of Lotto Fever. I don't need your crummy job, Mister Employer. I won the lottery. Well, who needs employees? I won the lottery too. <laughs> we, we both won, won the lottery. lottery. Why, Why don't, don't you win the lottery, lottery too? The state lottery, where everybody wins. <laughs> Actual odds of winning, one in 380 million. Bruh, the lottery. Exploiter of the poor and ignorant. Hmm. You know, I heard the jackpot's up to $130 million. $130 million? Did you say $130 million? Yeah! Wow! (laughs) (laughs) And then everybody in the bar loses it as they all... I mean, what a great joke that Barney... Knows the information to tell it to Homer, is then shocked when Homer says it back to him. And then Homer also doesn't realize that Barney re- was stupid and realized he goes like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, ga- you know, great, you know, animation visual gag. That's Mo lighting the sign saying beer is the answer after criticizing the lotto. That should be merchandise, I think. Yeah. I want one of oh, those yeah. for my, my, my upcoming study or whatever <laughs> I'm going to build. <laughs> now, these are writers living in California, and every state has a state lottery except maybe Utah, I'm guessing, and Hawaii, perhaps. You know, the lotteries were getting very big at the time. In California, there's a lot more people. There's a lot more people paying into uh, taxes and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's why this number is so high. But I looked it up. I always hear about this mythical Powerball, but I don't, I don't play a lot the lottery i don't buy lottery tickets and in uh last year in, in november of 2022 the powerball lottery amount was 2.04 billion dollars wow that is an insane amount of money and the people who don't win say uh most of that goes to taxes <laughs> right that's all you tell yourself i don't know what a powerball is i don't know why people worship it but it dispenses money to one lucky person every year perhaps i don't know I don't know how it works. I get zero thrills from like all forms of gambling. So, you know, every once in a while, someone will give you like a little scratcher and a birthday card or something, usually an older relative. But yeah, I, I don't know what a Powerball is. I do know that, you know, when I'm waiting for my you know breakfast burrito at the deli, I will see an army of people on like Saturday morning or Sunday morning come in. And they have like their little cheat sheets and they just like dictate all these different numbers. And they, you know, it's much like horse racing, which is kind of the only 
gambling I'll do. Being from upstate New York, you kind of have to be <laughs> into it. But yeah, I don't know. Just no thrills about gambling at all. It's nah. Yeah, I only associate this kind of gambling with very depressing circumstances. Like I worked at a grocery <laughs> store and if someone was over 80, they were guaranteed to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> and yes, at, at the bakery, there would be a bunch of old people drinking coffee, eating their donuts, scratching off tickets. I worked yeah. at a very depressing job at a bank. Every lunch break, people would go upstairs to the convenience store and buy lottery tickets. And in my grandma's final dying years, I would have to buy her scratch off tickets. So oh. there were no happy circumstances surrounding the lottery in my life. It's not a thing that you do when you're happy and doing well and don't really need that money, you know? No, I, you know, I grew up in a lotto-loving family. Uh, they, my, my mom and dad played the lottery pretty regularly. Well, so this, I mean, it's also uh, how I charted this expansion of lotteries uh, on a state-by-state basis was when this episode aired, my family, we lived in uh, a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. And at the time, Georgia did not have a lottery. And there were a couple times uh, during our time living in Georgia that we went to Florida for vacation. And when we were there, we're like, my dad was very excited that uh, there was gambling there. He caught lotto fever. He did. Uh, and, and, and when we then moved to Florida a few years later, my mom and dad, like, it was they they did it every week every single week which mm. you know if you told them they would be taxed uh ten dollars a week for every year they live there they'd be like well that's how dare the government but if you call it a lottery they're not so mad about it <laughs> did you guys have uh televised lotto drawings where you grew up yeah yeah you'd, you'd yeah. see it on the on the local news, local news for yeah, sure yeah. yeah they'd have the machine where the balls be flying around they'd pop up and the guy mm -hmm. pull one out the machine totally. was the most exciting part for me. I wanted to play with the machine as a kid. It looked fun. Yeah. I always remember, you know, watching it as a kid. They would sometimes air it like late at night, like around the 11 o'clock news or something like that. And we had this woman for the New York Lotto, and you'll never forget it. Welcome to the New York Lotto drawing. I'm Yolanda Vega. Like that was her catchphrase. <laughs> And just like you, you ask anyone, you know, that grew up where I did, when I did or around there, they will know Yolanda Vega and her lotto catchphrase. I know in my area, the lottery show was called Cash Explosion. <laughs> That's Literally, <laughs> it could have been a yes. Simpsons parody. Totally. I mean, that that almost is this commercial <laughs> yes. of a guy saying like, hey, who needs employees? I won the lottery too. Why don't you win the lottery? And we covered this in Lisa the Greek, but we have to remember that uh, at the time, this was one of the very few forms of legal gambling you could do. Now right. there are so many different forms of legal gambling in every state. I don't watch sports, but I know if you do, almost every ad is for some way to gamble on the game you're watching. Oh, it's far beyond that, Bob. It's now to the point where, like, you know, ESPN in their news segments will have times for, like, this is all the fantasy football recommendations and this is what the Draft Kings over under <laughs> whatever the fuck is. Like, it is it is wild how even, like, 10 years ago, sports betting was still like, shh. And now it's just, like, they're literally sponsoring, you know, college football bowls and, you know, ad slots in arenas and everything. It's like night and day. It's really crazy. It's a real sign of desperation in our society. <laughs> yes. I, and yeah, I mean, if you guys, I, I do have some uh, sad, progressive, uh, lefty, anti-lotto facts uh, in this, but 
if, if you guys want a, a more thorough going over that, I would point people to our podcast pals at Citations Needed uh, podcast. They did a very good episode in 2019 on the regressive tax, mostly against poor and non-white people in America that uh, state gambling is and lotteries are. Hmm. It's uh, it's very hmm. informative. You, you won't look at the lottery again. Well, this uh, episode is anti-lottery, I believe. Yes. I, yeah. I want to say. <laughs> uh, yes, we cut to the Quickie Mart with people storming it, like tearing it apart. <laughs> I love the shot of Apu having to both be friendly to the people who are shopping there but he also <laughs> he, you can see in his face he's like you're destroying my store please stop this an thank important you for moment. smashing my product yes <laughs> an important moment uh sanjay's first spoken line of dialogue he was oh, seen wow. in homer at the bat on the quickie mart team or whatever team mm-hmm. up who was on but sanjay not a big character but his first line is in this episode yeah i you know i do believe that is sanjay but that, that picture Sanjay in Homer at the Bat does not have the mustache. Mm. They, I think they forgot to draw it in, but I <laughs> I think that's also Sanjay too. I And yes, yeah, Sanjay, though, is first mentioned by name in uh, Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment, the, the stealing cable one, mm. because Apu mm. says like, oh, the big fight, I'll get Sanjay to cover for me. So he's, uh, this ah. is after a whole year, we're finally seeing the fabled Sanjay on screen. <laughs> that should have been the part of the reveal. commercial for this. <laughs> San, we finally meet Sanjay. Sanjay appears in the new Simpsons. <laughs> I also like that he is going to be rot. Like he's like, well, I'm probably going to be shot at and death is likely. So, and I love the wait. plea to uh, don't sleep with my wife. <laughs> I can't promise anything. <laughs> It's. Uh, I have to think Apu has already had sex with his wife at this. Yes, point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Apu is a real player at this point. <laughs> he had, he had already been with Princess Kashmir. Uh, and yes, a great great joke of Homer being shocked at what Bart's birthday is, asking for Lisa's as well, and then making Bart feel guilty that he doesn't know Lisa's birthday. <laughs> it's so good. What kind of a brother are you? Swartzwelder really underlines the type of person the lottery appeals to the most. Uh, mm-hmm. The person who can't even think about his family for a second, <laughs> yes. uh, who has to run out and buy tickets the minute he hears about the lottery, and who thinks he's already won when he buys the tickets. <laughs> the, the biggest idiot. Yeah, Homer is perfect. <laughs> perfect for the lottery uh you know you know i feel like yes my my parents pretty much stuck to like one one or two five or ten dollar tickets each week Mm -hmm. but if it was a big prize like where they really build it up for notoriety of like oh but it's you know over 100 million or whatever in the 90s that then uh, they would, I think, buy an extra couple or whatever, or even let me or my brother <laughs> bubble in with the number two of uh, a pencil, uh, our picks for uh, like here, you guys get to your own picks too. Penciling in just reminded me, did you guys have quick draw? Speaking of weird gambling things, Mm-mm. it was a thing where you you filled out a little bubble sheet thing and then got it scanned by a reader. You know, these were at like restaurants and bars and things. And then on a television, there was a little channel or network or something that showed these little, it was basically like a, a grid of numbers and you picked where you thought these dots were going to land. And yeah. they just would repeat the, you know, it was quick draw. So they just played these games in rapid succession. It was another weird, weird, it might've just been New York State Lotto. I don't know, but it took my area by storm. Everywhere you <laughs> went, there were these little quick draw machines. I 
pretty sure they don't exist anymore. In Ohio, we had that at a pizza pub, but I didn't know how to play, but every TV in the pizza pub had the numbers on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be annoyed by those numbers as a kid uh, for <laughs> Kino games at oh, like right. a casino that would have those two. It sounds similar to Kino, the, yes. uh, which is like... Inter- uh, a small lottery happening just in like one restaurant <laughs> <laughs> right exactly hitting it big at your ground round or something <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Simpsons dog is missing. Here's a clip of their last loving moments together. Hey, how come he gets mean and we don't? For the full story, watch The Simpsons Thursday. Welcome to the break, everybody. It's Henry Gilbert, covered in 14 karat gold. Big thank you to our guest this week, Andrew Jupin of We Hate Movies Podcast. Always awesome to have any of the We Hate Movies guys on here. Me and Bob are such big fans of their podcast, so we always love talking about The Simpsons with them. Check out all the stuff they do on We Hate Movies regular episodes. They do so many cool things on their Patreon, and keep an eye out for their live shows as well. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, you should know Talking Simpsons is only possible as me and Bob's full-time jobs. Thanks to the support of people at Patreon patreon.com slash talking simpsons those five dollar a month subscribers give me about the peace of mind to do this as our day jobs as well they get a ton of bonus content you only hear if you're a patreon subscriber that means each month you get a new episode of talking futurama and talking of the hill us covering an episode of futurama and an episode of king of the hill respectively once a month plus they also get access to a gigantic back catalog of over a hundred previous exclusive podcasts we did us covering every episode of the critic mission hill many episodes of batman the animated series and so so much more please check out the giant back catalog of exclusive stuff you will find at patreon.com slash talking simpsons But if you want the Ted Kennedy llama biting experience of luxury, you should sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. You get all those $5 things I was just telling you about. But then you also get every month, what a cartoon movie. Me and Bob covering an animated feature film, crazy in depth, just like we do an episode of The Simpsons, which often means going over five hours talking about a movie. This month, you'll hear us talking about Batman Superman World's Finest, the first meeting of Superman and Batman in the Bruce Timm DC Animated Universe. You'll learn a ton of history on the making of it and on just the background of Superman and Batman together. Plus, we covered the Disney classic Dumbo from 1941. That was a whole lot of fun. And your new holiday classic, Tokyo Godfathers by the late Satoshi Kon. And we have a huge back catalog, over 50 episodes at your disposal, and a new one each month, including our longest ever podcast, six and a half hours about who framed Roger Rabbit every minute a treat. So please, check it all out for yourself. All of the back catalog of us covering everything from Akira to a Goofy movie, Beavis and Butthead do the universe to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, if you head over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I love Homer's childish excitement uh, in this next clip as he approaches Marge. Mm-hmm. We're on a tight budget here. Promise me you won't get carried away. Yes, money. I mean, honey. Ooh, 
Here comes a news report about the lottery. Hey, down in front. The whole state is suddenly in the grip of lottery fever, and Springfield is no exception. In fact, every copy of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery has been checked out from the Springfield Public Library. Of course, the book does not contain any hints on how to win the lottery. It is rather a chilling tale of conformity gone mad. Oh. But there's already one big winner, our state school system, which gets fully half the profits from the lottery. Just think what we can buy with that money. History books that know how the Korean War came out. Math books that don't have that base six crap in them. And a state-of-the-art detention hall where children are held in place with magnets. Magnets. Always with the magnets. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not Mar uh, That's not Edna saying that line. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you guys, is, does that teacher have a name? I is Because it sounds like Julie Kavner, yeah? It is. I think she had another line in an earlier episode this season, uh -huh. but they will uh, eliminate her because when you hear Julie Kavner's <laughs> voice, you just think, where's Marge? Yes, right. Yeah, she, yeah, she was just in separate vocations. I think that's her only other time saying it. Even, even on the commentary, they're like, no, that is distracting, but that's just Marge's <laughs> voice there. That's that's why we stopped doing it. Totally. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and uh, yes, they're they're talking about the lottery, the short story, uh, which uh, mm. Swordsweller also referenced in The Lastest Gun in the West as well. That was an episode he is the writing credit on. It might not be him, but mm. I think he's a, is a fan of that. And you know what? Uh, right now on Kindle, you can get it for under five dollars. The, nice. the lottery and other stories collection. I love Shirley Jackson. It's funny to me that the entirety of the lottery was put in a book for this, uh, the Springfield universe, because it's about 30 <laughs> pages, the short story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that the note that Brockman says about like all the copies of the lottery have been taken out of the, the library or whatever. It also speaks to like, okay, that's telling you there's other people in this town who are on the Homer level of like that dense. They would think it's a lottery tips book or something i love that joke <laughs> and uh yeah here's is some depressing real world facts on this which simpsons is joking about here this is they know this information and that's why they're they, they turn it into a joke about the funding for schools this uh i had to be explained to me as a kid in the 90s by my mom about why this is a joke about the schools thinking they get a bunch of money in the real world like the so this is just the California state lottery statistics here. But in 2022 reporting, I saw that 1.8 billion of the state school budget comes from the lottery, uh, the California state lottery. Now it sounds like a lot, but that's one per less than 1% actually of the school's yearly budget. Wow. Uh, and, and also there was a 2017 audit that showed that they were actually holding back like $36 million hmm. that they didn't even give the schools. But here's another bit from the Washington Post reporting on it too about why that $1.8 billion doesn't even like, it shouldn't even really count. Quote, instead of using the money as additional funding, legislators have used the lottery money to pay the education budget and spent the money that would have been used there had there not been lottery cash on other things. So that's the scale. They slash school budgets and then replace it with lottery money. And then they advertise and say, like, well, no, the lottery gives us money to schools. And we all assume it means in addition to hmm. the, the regular budget. Pretty scummy. Yeah. <sighs> That's how you engineer whole other ge generations of Homer lotto fanatics. <laughs> it, it's, it is a good strategy to create more lottery players. Yeah, That's that's true. Right. yeah. I, I can talk about uh, base six crap if you want to hear yeah, about what it. What is this shit? Yeah, I, I have no idea what that I is. Never got you know, what is this shit? 
is a good question, Henry, <laughs> because uh, this is a reference, I believe, to quote unquote new math, which mm. was basically the common core of its day. Uh, this was kicked into action because, you know, Russia launched Sputnik and there was a worry like we had in the 2000s, like we need to get these kids into STEM now. Mm. So we engineered a new kind of math to get them up to speed with other countries and, you know, how advanced they were. But it fell out of fashion in the 70s. And there is a great Tom Lehrer song about it called New Math. If you want a comedian to explain it through song <laughs> and it contains the lyric, it's so simple that only a child can do it because the joke is parents could no longer help their their kids with their math homework oh. which was the case with common core as well oh that's hilarious yeah. uh no i'm i'm thankful i never had to learn that basic stuff like math and, i i was good at simple math it probably would have confused me and i believe now you, you math math magicians out there let me know but i believe the math <laughs> that we all learned all of us millennials on this podcast was base 10 mm. uh and now mm. there's common core and people are mad about that for weird reasons I see. Is it oh, CRT right. related stuff? Is that uh, no? <laughs> it's just uh, for Common Core now. There's going to be parents on here mad at me, but the point of doing math is not to find an answer no one has found before. Like when your teacher asks you what's seven minus six, it's not that we don't know the answer, but you're just you're only learning like rote memorization. Common Core teaches you like how numbers work in relation mm, to each other. I see. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, base 10, that, again, I guess that shows you how the programming worked on me because I was like, well, yeah, well, 10, I got 10 fingers. I'll, I can build everything around 10. That makes 10 sense. 10 fingers, Henry, ablest much? Uh oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're saying that's the norm? Well, I'm speaking specifically about my 10 fingers. That's all. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, also, uh, Skinner's vision of the magnet prison basically <laughs> it made me think of face off i yeah. was like okay yes, they, they totally. ripped the face off ripped this off yeah that is such a great joke too about uh history books that know how the korean war ended my god <laughs> we uh how long in your schools did your maps have the ussr on it into the 90s like I, I still remember seeing a few Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I remember, like, even when I got to high school, so we're talking, like, 98 or something, um, there was, every once in a while, a teacher would pull down a map and you'd be like, guys, come on, <laughs> come on. I mean, it was a pretty famous event, you know. Well, yeah. they, they, got, they got it in the budget from the lottery to buy new maps yet. You know? I graduated in 2000, and I, I think most of the maps were uh, did include the Soviet Union, and all of the textbooks still included the Soviet Union. But it didn't matter. We never got that far. Mm, we never got yeah. to the 1980s in history class. <laughs> you always ran out of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it always it bugged me. I would read ahead eventually by, like, junior high. I think I'd start reading ahead. But I'd get I would get annoyed of, like, I, I could chart out. I remember being annoyed in several history classes of, of knowing like we have two months left in the year and there's all these pages we haven't touched yet. What, what's going on? Uh, though, of course, you can see why they probably don't want to talk about things that happened after World War II. It might, yeah. might make some parent. We All these kids now yeah. don't get to learn about controversial things. We had that too. You're not special, Gen Z. We, you know, we had racist parents too. When you send your kids away for someone else to raise eight hours a day, you don't get to decide what they learn. Okay, <laughs> keep them at home if you want to decide what they learn. Put in the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the lottery drawing days here, as the headline says, it's also President Rockstar to swap wives. I missed that until this very time doing it. It's now, great... if it was Clinton, it would make sense. <laughs> yes, but yeah. it's Bush. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're supposed to be imagining a rock star banging Barbara Bush there, I guess. That's the, the visual imagery. <laughs> yes, as all of this is happening, too, Santa's little helper is walking around horribly pained, like, on death's door. <laughs> they they draw his, they color his nose gray because he's he's sick. That's That's how they indicate a sickly dog. And it's so sad seeing... Maggie poke him in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's a good little sound effect there, too. Perfect Foley. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Homer is certain that he's going to win, and he's got plans, baby. So, what are you going to do with your share of the money, kid? Put it in the bank. Give it to the poor. <laughs> what do kids know about spending money? What are you going to do, Homer? Hmm. Hey, Homer, what'd you do? Get a haircut or something? Look closer, Lenny. Oh, I know what it is. You're the biggest man in the world now. And you're covered in gold. 14 karat gold. Take a hike, boss. I'm running things now. All hail King Homer. <laughs> you got to hear the full laugh. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. I was just thinking, I am such a sucker for an extended laugh like that. Burns in the shower. Oh, that crippled Irishman. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what Burns originally said, but him saying "All hail King Homer" is very <laughs> funny. Him just awkwardly saying that he, he had to have some other line. I'm guessing. Oh right? yeah, the mouth movements are all off on it. I I love. He's like excited, like he's like he's welcoming it, like "All hail King." <laughs> like he's not sad about it. He's oh god. I, I said this on Twitter. I do think this might be the funniest scene in the entire series. In the entire series. <laughs> I, it's really up there for me. It's it's a landmark in the in season three, I would say, mm. just uh, in understanding how Homer's brain works. In that he's not only made of gold, he gets bigger and covered in more jewels. Yes. <laughs> no, I, well, okay, I definitely think though the the shot of the up pan shot of Homer covered in jewels laughing is maybe my favorite like uh, animated image in the entire series. Got to find that original art. It's got to be yeah. a very long sell and a very long oh, background. Man, it's going to be too expensive. <laughs> it's gonna, it has to be at least uh, $30,000 that yeah. set up, if it exists. Wow, if really? it exists. Holy smokes. To put it in perspective, there was uh, a big Simpson cell auction late last year, mm-hmm. and one of the ones in it, uh, because I was like, maybe this won't go for too much, I'll keep an eye on it, was the title card for Principal Skinner and Superintendent Chalmers, like from oh, the uh-huh. Steam Ham sketch. And I was like, hmm, I, I bet I, you know, I was like, if I could get this for $800, I'm going to do it, I tell myself. It was 15000 I believe it was. I think. It was definitely a over ten thousand would okay. wait for. Maybe yes. I'm undershooting. It could be like forty or fifty k. That's if it exists and if someone wants to sell it. Maybe yeah. it's like Macaroni might have it. One of the writers might have it. Who knows? Wow. Also, just Homer's like he is celebrating that he's he makes sure you know it's fourteen karat gold, a worse level of gold. Like <laughs> you'd want eighteen karat or twenty four karat. Hey, as somebody yep. with a fourteen karat gold ring, wedding ring, <laughs> I can tell you it's more durable. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's that's mine too. I believe. Yes. Yeah. And whenever I think about it, I think of that scene with Homer. So maybe it is the most memorable scene in the show. <laughs> I love all the stuff with Lenny too. Right. Just how just totally oblivious Lenny is. That's like an impossible <laughs> level of being oblivious. 
What what did you do different? Did you get a haircut or something? God damn. And then it's his answer is look closer. Oh that is <laughs> oh, yeah. Funny. And then he calls him the biggest man in the world. Like that's <laughs> I uh, that is such a uh, interesting choice of words. And yes, the crowning moment of it too is that they cut away to Homer laughing. He's not telling people what his vision was. They just saw their father close his eyes for 30 seconds and laugh to himself quietly. They're all very uh, disturbed by it. I'm always a big fan of any variation on that. When a character has a, a dream sequence or a fantasy in their head and we cut back to see what was happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's time for the lotto numbers to be picked. Uh, as it's setting up, this also shows you how deep the roster of Springfield has grown by this point in season three. That without naming characters, they just trust the audience of like, if we cut to a clown or cops, you know who they are and this mm. is funnier to you. Like, <laughs> though, I mean, it works as a joke. If you don't know who they are and you just see a TV clown and the cops being bad at their job because they're into the lottery, the joke still works. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's it's kind of interesting. I never thought about it that way before. I guess I just take for granted no these characters for so many decades now but it is it is sort of nice that thinking about how that would work if you don't know what the characters are it's still kind of great because what juxtaposition of people right like a clown with a dude in a, you know with a bone through his head that just honks you know and the cops it's the great uh wiggum oh, this is nine one two you know like yeah so you just see all these different people in this town and i think not knowing who they are you're like wow this is a really weird place no other 1992 sitcom went what if what does a clown think of this situation let's check this out <laughs> i it's one of my favorite things bill and josh uh amped up in their seasons too of just pointing out occasionally like chalmers would point out yeah why why are crusty or mel walking around in full makeup up in regular life all of the time in their full <laughs> costumes uh but uh so yes we we see santa's little helper is dying in the background <laughs> collapsing and uh now it's time for the lotto numbers to be drawn i knew we wouldn't win well why didn't you tell the rest of us <laughs> why did you keep it a secret if you were 17 we'd be rich but no you had to be 10 and the final number is 49. 38. 49! Oh my god. I won! I won! (laughs) Recapping our day's top story, the winner of today's state lottery is me, Kent Brockman. Can we get a shot of me? There you go. In other news, uh, tragic mix-up today in Cleveland. (laughs) Many people killed. Uh... Goodbye. Oh, well, we lost the money, but at least we've still got each other. Hey, the dog's dead. (gasps) (laughs) I love that Homer bought 50 tickets and somehow impossibly mathematically with 50 picks, not one of them had 17 or three on it. When the numbers, (laughs) when those numbers are said, he tears them up because he knows like I didn't pick 17 once (laughs) in any of them. Hey, it's possible. Uh, that's actually like anti-luck. It's, uh, yeah, I, uh, this this is a side tangent. I think of anti-luck as the story of, I got to interview the, the, uh, professional wrestler from ECW in 
AEW, Tommy Dreamer once. Ooh, I uh, remember him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fun and a local guy from uh, the tri-state area. Uh, yeah, local to Andrew. Um, but <laughs> he talked about how at the time he had recently gotten, uh, there was 2008 uh, salmonella outbreak among uh uh, peanut oh. butter in the united states look it up and he mentioned like yeah my whole family got it he's like i can't win the lottery but it was like it was like 10 peanut butter jars out of three million and we got one of them oh wow and, and we all got it uh, <laughs> that uh, that's classic tommy dreamer luck if you know anything about the character of tommy dreamer but uh, I, d- I don't but i <laughs> uh, hey, trust me it's 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 accurate for him <laughs> Also, I think it's so well acted, but Homer is just like scary here. Like he's like, "Why did you keep it?" Like he's playing it as like he's in an Oscar-worthy drama, right? Yes. Now. He throws that TV tray across the room. He's so, and just the way he points at Bart, like, "No, you had to be." T-. And you just see Bart look sad. There's no extra joke to it. It's just Homer. He's cruel. It's a really tough moment. <laughs> he takes Grandpa as just a uh, matter of fact grumbling as as the truth like you yeah, knew right. we wouldn't win and you didn't tell me and uh, not to linger too long but it's a great twist that kent wins but harry shearer plays it so well as kent trying to remain professional but he just can't yep. yes yeah. yep. and i love is like uh can we get a shot of me yeah there we go <laughs> like, and it's just a frame from him like exclaiming seconds before <laughs> and uh well also it's it's such a clever idea of like who would be a, the worst person to find out won the lottery? And it's like a guy who is small town, very rich, becoming mm. very, very rich mm. on television. And yes. you just can't like feel good about it or anything. It's just like this. <laughs> oh, this is the jerk who won. We all find out it was mm. him on TV. I will say, though, that Kent is covering an accident in Northeast Ohio more than most major news networks right now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, train oh. derailment. Hey, guys, there's aliens now. Look out. <laughs> there sure are a lot of aliens. Shoot them down. <laughs> yeah. I think that is what this UFO stuff is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's all a, a trick to distract us from uh, the hor- this horrible uh, accident in uh, in East pa- uh, Palestine, Ohio, right now. That is the uh, the events of white noise unfolding in real life. Am I thinking of the correct thing? I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Don DeLillo novel. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah. I think it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, train derailment, chemical explosion, all that good stuff. Well, speaking of news, I just saw today it was like a video from the uh the white house press secretary saying like there aren't aliens yes. these ufos are not aliens <laughs> and somebody quote tweeted by saying like this is exactly what happens in an alien movie like this is what <laughs> you know, in an alien invasion movie you have this scene in it of saying it's not happening that's very true and also she made reference to i love et just as much as the next person which is also something that a character would say in a meta aliens movie that's true <laughs> then they say like um i don't think et's coming yes precisely and then we all get nuked <laughs> i also like that marge kind of thinks she's at the end of an episode by summing it up like well we lost the money but at least we still got each other like she thinks the story the episode's over mm-hmm. and so yes we 
leave the audience thinking that the dog is dead, that Santa's little helper is dead, he's not moving. I mean, it's so tricky that, like, if you see it with commercials in between, you don't notice it as much as on, say, Mm -hmm. DVD or streaming. But when you watch it now, it's like they have a freeze frame of Santa's little helper not moving. Then when it comes back from commercial, he's clearly breathing of like, ah, they tricked. Like, it was very (laughs) intentional to trick you. That was a long, you know, 60 to 100 seconds for some audience members. Probably watching Lotto commercials in between. (laughs) I, I love, too, that Lisa is basically talking to the show with like it's not fair to toy with people's emotions like that yeah and grandpa is more fighting off the idea that this is a senior moment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so him refusing to believe that the dog is not dead that is another great uh, i mean honestly it it feels like people engaging in arguments online of just like no dogs wag their tails for hours after they die i'm tired of this conversation i'm going home like (laughs) except they don't go home no that's true yeah they i'm uh, I mean, you you guys have seen the one of people saying like, uh, and look, I have quote tweeted a thing that was a joke headline I thought was real. We've all, it's happened to all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us are perfect, but the cover for it, some people do of. Well, the fact that I thought this was real proves how bad things are right now, or whatever. It's like. <laughs> People can't admit that they get tricked by something or they're they're wrong. It it happens to all of us. Usually I delete it and then pretend I didn't do it. You know, that's that's, that's the, the best that's the adult way to handle things. Yeah. Yep. There's so much information no one's gonna remember. Yep. Just delete it and then I'm gonna hide under a pile of coats and everything will be fine. <laughs> but uh, yes, the dog is very sick and just what are they going to do? They're gonna take him to the vet, and this is where there is another uh, completely lost to time reference in this episode, uh, which is the uh, the Ben Casey show. The um, a uh, again when this episode aired, my mom said like, "Oh, that's Ben Casey," and I had no clue. I still didn't know until probably this podcast and and doing prep for it. It, it was a five season medical drama from the early to mid sixties, and apparently Ben Casey was parodied at least three times on the Flintstones. Oh, wow. <laughs> he played the parody of Ben Casey was Dr. Len Frankenstone. Now you see, folks, this is when they added monsters to the Flintstones. Remember when like monsters moved in across the street? The right. show was almost over. Don't yeah. worry. Uh, but he was a he was an, an evil scientist guy, but he looked just like Ben Casey. And do we have the music? Because I know they just they just use the yeah, music. Yes. Uh, here's here's the original theme song, which you can recognize when they arrive at the uh, the vet. There you go. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do a like a sound alike, so they just they paid for it just and, to sell the parody. And the vet looks like Ben Casey too. Yeah, the, uh, the, or the actor who played Ben, a Casey. famously hairy man with large eyebrows. So uh, <laughs> they got it right. Was uh, well, he was, was hairy by sixty standards? But uh, <laughs> was this dude a veterinarian in the show, or was he a people doctor on the show? Uh, a people doctor. Oh, got it. All he right. was. Basically, Robin Williams hairy. If you look at his arms, mm-hmm. oh. I gotta look closer. There were there were sixty hairy. standards of hairiness. What's going on here? I'm confused. Uh, well, I mean, beards were uh, seen as wrong then, or just the only thing for hippies to have. Guys, men weren't uh, in America weren't supposed to be shaved. I'm basing this entirely on the one joke from Planet of the Apes, where uh-huh. uh, where Heston's very excited to shave off his beard and then be clean cut again, and then he asks the teen ape if he's like, "Well, are you gonna grow a beard?" He's like, "I don't go in for fat." 
This guy uh, on Ben Casey, yeah, I'm looking him up now. Vince Edwards was the actor's name. Uh, he has since passed away, but uh, yeah, good little uh, you know illustration of, uh, yeah, of this yeah. guy. Yeah, he's, it worked out. Uh, he is quite hirsute, if, I, if I'm <laughs> using that word correctly. I, I avoided using it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was ten, look, I only know it as a $10 word to sound smart. <laughs> You're right to avoid it. Uh, but yes, he's this guy is very dedicated to his animals. Uh, he is trying very hard to save a hamster, <laughs> but then uh, he just tosses, I mean, just the over-the-shoulder toss into the trash can. Pretty great. <laughs> Pretty great. I remember seeing that for the first time, and I think at the time it was probably one of like the crassest jokes I'd seen in a cartoon. And I just remember being totally <laughs> taken aback, like, oh my God, they... <laughs> could do that on this animated show. I, was, I remember being totally blown away by this joke. And uh, none of the sound effects on the show are cans or library sound effects. So they had to figure out what does a hamster sound like hitting a wall, <laughs> going through a basketball hoop into a garbage can. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bet they got uh, like a an uncooked pheasant and <laughs> hit it against the wall. That, that sounds like a, a similar pile of bones. A uh, chicken was too heavy sounding, so they had to go with a lighter <laughs> bird. Uh, also, yes, I always think of Bob whenever there's a line about parrots on the show. Which, uh, <laughs> saying, uh, they can't thank me. Well, the parrots can, but anyway... <laughs> uh, how often does your lovable bird say thank you, Bob? Uh, he, he doesn't know thank you, Aww. but he doesn't go to vets either because he's very healthy. Well, the thing with birds, uh, they're very social animals, so if they're sick, they hide it. So if they appear sick, it's too late. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. That's sad. But he's been very healthy. They want to be so nice and just like not worry people or whatever. <laughs> they don't want to be excluded from the from the flock. Oh. Like, oh, you're sick. Get away from me. Oh, oh man. All those poor. These judgmental parrots. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> hey, they're cast out of the flock so easily. That's sad. And you know what? This could all be solved in 2023 with a good GoFundMe, right? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. But instead, uh, yeah, it's a a uh, the twi a twisted stomach is a real health risk for dogs. It's a uh, especially in larger breeds, which mm. actually bigger than a uh, than a greyhound. A greyhound is not. I mean, it happens in greyhounds. Not saying it doesn't. Though also, I gotta say, I hate every time it's a malady like a thing that makes animals sick. I hate googling it because I know I'm gonna probably see at least one sad picture of an yep. animal with this problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I learned about it for you listeners here. I looked it up. <laughs> So, yeah, it is one that only surgery can fix. Now, in some cases, you know, you can fix it with a cheaper surgery, but it's likely to recur. If it happened once, it'll happen again. So you're, if you're going to do it, you may as well go for the more invasive, expensive surgery that basically, like, uh, glues the stomach to the back of the dog so it can't move around and get twisted. Oh, wow. That's pretty wild stuff i would say also it's a wise investment if people don't know about it i don't know how well known it is uh but pet insurance definitely the best like 86 dollars a month i spend i did not know there was a, i i should have figured there yeah. was such a hmm. thing yeah 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 definitely so then you know homer and marge wouldn't be on the on the hook here for 750 dollars <laughs> uh, it's it is a very good choice of an amount of money like one one that could be afforded, but if you pay it, especially in a paycheck-to-paycheck -paycheck family like theirs, it actually mm -hmm. can, like, fuck up your life. And we found out in uh, the, the Germans episode that $10,000 could have changed their lives. And this is basically 10% of that. So it's yeah. a substantial amount of money for the family. Oh, yeah. And I mean, too, that 
the, the, that small amount of money changing their lives also leads to like another most like heartbreaking jokes in this episode but but i'll get to that later but so yes they the family isn't so sure about how to handle this uh, as they leave we also see the second appearance of mr teeny uh who is uh he, they, they just love a smoking monkey or chimp i should say but uh, Bart is wondering why they're leaving. $750. Oh, dear. This is never an easy decision. It's an awful lot of money. Well, I guess we'll have to talk it over. Talk what over? What's there to talk about? What are we going to talk over? Oh. Mr. Teeny needs a refill of his nicotine gum. I can't help but notice we're leaving the hospital. When's the dog going to get his operation? Uh... Later. First, I want to tell you about the most wonderful place in the world, Doggy Heaven. In Doggy Heaven, there's mountains of bones, and you can't turn around without sniffing another dog's butt. And all the best dogs are there. Old Yeller and about eight lassies. And Is there a doggy hell? Well, of course. It couldn't be a heaven if there weren't a hell. Who's in there? Oh, Hitler's dog and that dog Nixon had. What's his name? Uh, Chester? Checkers. Yeah, and one of the lassies is in there, too. The mean one. The one that mauled Timmy. Uh, this, this whole doggy heaven bit is great because Bart, it takes Bart a very long time to realize that Homer talking about how great doggy heaven is, is he is about Santa's little helper. You know, the rainbow bridge mythology had not hit the mainstream yet. It would have been so easy to explain it to this kid. <laughs> Bart would think he was cute then. Yeah, he'd, he'd be fine. It is. It, this is an amazing like high wire act that they are doing with the writing here because it is so hard not to be like totally heartbroken by Bart and what he's saying in the car, but it's interrupted by the crusty and the Mr. Teeny needs his nicotine, which is hysterical. Just to think about a monkey having a smoking problem. That is really funny <laughs> to me. Uh, and then on the other side of that, of course, it's the great, of course, there's a doggy hell. Hitler's dog, <laughs> you know, checkers Nixon. Like, so it, you're not like totally devastated the whole time. It's so amazing to just like, sit back and think about how they balance that sometimes with with the jokes yeah i think it's also an extra gag that lisa homer doesn't know checkers but the <laughs> yes. eight-year-old lisa tells him it's checkers like obviously me as a kid i didn't know who checkers was Same here. yeah had to be for my mom she explained it easily because uh you it was a huge deal in 1952 uh it was when nixon was uh the presumptive uh nominee uh, for vice president and there were sto uh, there were stories that he had misappropriated eighteen thousand dollars of rnc money which like they would spend that on just flying one trophy wife to the rnc convention like that that's nothing and it was also at a time when calling out that hypocrisy because he was like i'm against graft in the election system and then people say well didn't you spend this money he actually like was like oh my god i'm being called a hypocrite i have to buy television time <laughs> to tell everybody i didn't steal money and uh and yes it it had a a famous final line in it i i got the clip oh good here. good we went down to get it you know what it was it was a little cocker spaniel dog in a crate that he'd sent all the way from texas Black and white, spotted. And our little girl, Tricia, the six-year-old, named it Checkers. And you know, the kids, like all kids, love the dog. And I just want to say this right now, that regardless of what they say about it, 
We're going to keep Ooh, wow. he, owned, he owned the liberal media here telling him to get rid of his dog. He's going to do it. Dangling his children in front of him like a human shield. Oh, poor <laughs> Trish Nixon. It's kind of funny, though. I think between I mean, I think this episode was where I learned of Checkers the dog. And then I think there's a Checkers joke somewhere in one of the uh, on an episode of Seinfeld, too. So it was like a weird pop cultures thing, you know, still into the mid 90s talking about Checkers the dog. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then his presence on uh, Nixon's presence on Futurama made a whole new generation aware when the mythology was. Well, of course, the worst president ever was Nixon. (laughs) Yes. What a no what question a, about it, right? What a nice time that was. Yeah, they well, and they wrote that right before W got elected, and then, yeah. and, and then that even is like you know, I still say, I mean, worst at being a president, sure, Trump's worst at doing the job, and he's also a shitty, but. I, I say W did more awful things than than Trump did in his time. Look, and it's just this is an argument about what piece of shit is a bigger piece of shit. But like, uh, I want to flush them both. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so cute how Bart is trying to comfort Santa's little helper. There, I mean, just a sick dog. Even even a silly designed one like mm-hmm. Santa's little helper, it's hard not to uh, have it tug at your heartstrings. And oh yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so cute the way Bart when he says like, "So you're just gonna let him die?" And when he says "die," he covers Santa's little helper's ears so he doesn't hear mm. it. It's it's so sweet. Oh, it's a nice touch. Uh, and there's also a great gag of Bart saying, "Darn right, I'm upset." Bart, watch your language. The the clip from it, <laughs> uh, which I think now that line is about how. We learned from John Beatty in our interview that they intentionally curbed Bart's casual swearing by season three because they had heard from friends that Bart was teaching their kids how to swear and their friends weren't like uh, liking it. Uh, that's incredible. But Homer decides he's going to do it because he just can't say no to that dumb manipulative dog uh, with his eyes. I mean, yeah, how do you actually look a dog in the eyes and say like, nah, I'm going to kill you? Like, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I also uh, was surprised it wasn't a tough one for Homer to say manipulative. Mm. I think that was, it's sort of, a, it's a little bit of a pricey word for Homer Simpson, I think. I think he can find the right word when he's angry enough. <laughs> it's true. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. We're getting close to like me and my trenchant mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> Uh, we have a cute little scene of Homer asking birds for money, which this also just feels like, you know, stuffing of like, well, we need an extra like minute. Well, let's have burns. Let's have a little more burns. He has a goon Smashing button. Smashing the security button. Yeah, yeah. but no trapdoor button yet. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love how he, the the way they animate him pausing his finger over the button when Homer compliments him. And then he says, yeah. my dog is very sick. <laughs> yeah, no trapdoor and no tube. <laughs> he hasn't invested yet in the infrastructure for that tube. <laughs> and yeah, Homer is dragged away by Crusher and Loblo. Well, we'll see more of them. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Burns, I need to borrow some money. Well, please, do go on. I know you're a good man, and I have a dog that's very sick. Oh, please, continue. I thought maybe you... Oh. Well, thank for your time. Hmm. What makes a man endanger his job and, yes, even his life by asking me for money? People like dogs, Mr. Burns. Nonsense. Dogs are idiots. Think about it, Smithers. If I came into your house and started sniffing at your crotch and slobbering all over your face, what would you say? Mm. If you did it, sir, 
Exactly. You'd be fit to be tied. <laughs> Dogs. Then we also have a new level of homosexuality from Smithers here. <laughs> Um, as as Burns described, uh, uh, sniffing at your crotch and slobbering over your face, what would you say if you did it, sir? And I also love, it's great too how uh, Burns says, exactly, you'd be fit to be tied. A bit of a bondage uh, joke, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, he ends the scene just by saying, dogs. Yeah, that's right, dogs. <laughs> Which... He loves his hounds, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess he sees the hounds not even as dogs, but as an extension like of himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's killing machines that he loves, uh, not not so much a dog. <laughs> then we cut to Homer thinking about doing it himself. There's something about the drawing of Homer with a smile on his face, reading a big book that says canine surgery. That's such a funny picture. <laughs> and Marge is saying no, <laughs> just no. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I gasped that this cutaway got me like the i didn't realize they were cutting to thanksgiving because they intentionally make it the dog colored flesh is the color of santa's little helper so the stuff flying everywhere oh. for a second i thought it was supposed to be is, is that the mislead it. is that the mislead it misled me okay. I, i'm not sure if it oh, was wow. the intentional mislead but it did mislead me as a kid they, they've parodied so this is a parody of that rockwell thanksgiving painting it's happened at least two times one before this and one after this <laughs> uh one before this is when i think in no disgrace like home they're looking in at the families and one of them one family is very stage like that Rockwell painting. And I think later in the series in Homer Loves Flanders, when F- Homer comes in through the window to eat their food, eat their dinner, I think it's staged like the Rockwell painting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Just everyone getting completely covered in turkey. And the way that he is like hitting it like a sword, <laughs> you know, just chopping at this thing and yell. It's so funny. With with an electric knife. Uh, so it's yes. like buzzsawing <laughs> it and just flying everywhere. <laughs> Uh, and and also I like that it basically is the it's like a reference to the Thanksgiving episode because everybody who's at the table is who was at Bart versus Thanksgiving like it's the mm. the Bouvier side on one side and and Marge and the family on the other side like it's the same seating even uh, and so Homer says eh, maybe you're right and he again throws a new book in the fire uh, there's there's a couple jokes in there the the obvious one is Fahrenheit 451 is in there ha 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 what a funny mm. joke but. The better joke is that Bill Cosby's fatherhood is in there. Yes. Obviously, we all want to burn that book now, uh, but the but the <laughs> internal continuity joke is even funnier because uh, that was the fatherhood book Homer was gifted in Saturdays of Thunder. So the implication here is like right. Homer's eventually went, ah, screw this, and threw it away. Like he stopped caring about being a good father at some point and threw it in the fire. That book burns for a long time. <laughs> And uh, so, yes, the family needs money. uh, Marge just uh, lets them know they're going to have to change up the budget some. Uh, it's also great that Homer first thinks it's going to be an insurance scam, but uh, and the way that he frames it too, right? He says, "What do you got, Marge? Insurance scam? <laughs> you know, like they are just these like grifters on the run all the time or something." I love it. That's true. Yeah, it's like they're Bonnie and Clyde. Like, all right, what you yes. got? What do you got? <laughs> yep. Hey, another Warren Beatty movie. I, I know. I, you know, I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's good. Yeah. I, oh, you don't need me movie. to tell you that. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Now I've seen Bunny and Clyde. Bunny uh, and Clyde. Uh, uh, Excuse. Me. I screwed up the joke even. All right. You should remember their names. The girl is Bunny and Claude is the guy. Right. It's a gender review, right? Yeah. Okay. But uh, this is uh, Marge's new budget. I'm afraid we're just going to have to make a few sacrifices. Homer, 
You're going to have to give a beer for a while. <laughs> Bart, from now on, you'll have to get your hair cut for free at Springfield Barber College. No problemo. I'm going to give up buying my weekly lottery ticket, and I found a way to stretch the food budget. Fried chicken night will now be organ meat night. Ham night will be spam night. And pork chop night oh. will now be chub night. Chub? I don't even know what that is. Lisa, I'm afraid we'll have to stop getting you those volumes of Encyclopedia Generica from the grocery store. But, Mom, next week is Volume 4, Copernicus Through Elephantiasis. We all have to make sacrifices, dear. Maggie's baby clothes will have to last for a little longer. Marge, I've figured out an alternative to giving up my beer. Basically, we become a family of traveling acrobats. I don't think you've thought this through. <laughs> oh, the that's... look of abject horror on the family's face after he suggests traveling acrobats is a great little moment of animation there. Oh my god, just jaws dropped. They they can't like they it's it's new lows every second with Homer. <laughs> so this was ripped from my personal headlines because at the time my mom was buying uh, these these encyclopedias from the grocery store every week. They would have a new oh. volume. And I guess they were maybe two ninety nine. They were like very cheap, and to this day, they have not been opened since nineteen ninety six. But they remain in our basement on a oh, bookshelf. That's great. I'd, I'd well, be sad if they were gone. When my parents pass away. I'll be carrying them up the stairs <laughs> into the curb. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, I, yeah. For all the for all the dumb things I bought, uh, never never got those. Uh, never got any encyclopedias. I I loved at the library, like school or other li- regular library, going through those reference books and and learning history in the pre internet world. Mm. I did the um. We had what were they called like spyglass books or something? And each book was like a photo book that was uh, like a specific topic. So it would be like boats or medieval armor or something. And it was literally just like a collage book almost. But they had like little blurbs about different items and locations and things like things like that. And I was obsessed with those. And my grade school library had a bunch of them. And like the local like Walden books, rest in peace, um, would have them, you know, and just like, you know, cars and space travel, just like these big kind of broad topics with really great photography in it. Uh, you know, the ones that I really was drawn to weren't just, I mean, look, was it fun to go through encyclopedias and just look up like, I don't know, bugs or, or then later as I learned clinical terms for genitalia, see what was in there. <laughs> sure. Yes. But my favorite was that showed I was going to be a future podcaster was in like early middle school. I discovered these books that were basically like yearbooks for like news and entertainment for the year. And mm. I like, you know, I started with the year I was born, 1982, but I just wanted to see like, okay, what was the highest grossing movie each year? Cause it listed all of them. And I was just like, okay, so that, that was the highest grossing movie. Ooh. And then that, like, I, I, I just yeah. love learning all this information that, you know, again, is, is a, a Google search away now. You're reading the book version of VH1's I love the eighties. <laughs> That's right. Except Mo Rocca wasn't there with his delightful comedy. Uh, he's, uh, he had so many funny Mo Rocca on the I love the nineties has a joke. I never forget, which is when, <laughs> They are talking about Alanis Morissette's ironic, 
And everybody, all the other talking heads are dunking on it, like, well, describing how it's not, uh, some things in it aren't actually irony. Mm -hmm. Then Mo Rock said, she had the last laugh on us all because by calling a song ironic that then has things in it that aren't ironic, it actually becomes an example of irony by having (laughs) that. I was like, wow, he's that uh, I'm not sure if that was the intention of the song, but I like to think that. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and yes chubb what is chubb chubb i know about chubb because i play animal crossing mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. chubb is a bait fish you're really not supposed to eat it though you can so mm-hmm. it's very very cheap oh, i don't think the grocery yeah. store sells chubb i've never seen it <laughs> yeah. like shrink wrap no. you're, you're, you're going to a bait shop for chubb yeah. i feel <laughs> it's uh, chubb and earthworms night kids uh though <laughs> though there is another term for chubb as well i i learned which is the name of that it it is it, uh, it's a colloquial term for basically you know those like tubes of jimmy jimmy dean sausage or similar cheap meats yeah. that have like the little yeah. crimp or clip on the end that's also mm. called chub, but mm. I I prefer to think it is the bait fish that they're eating. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so it could be very processed meat or very cheap fish. Yeah, yeah. Either, either one as a replacement for Homer's beloved pork chops is is sad. Yeah, I when I looked it up, I saw the chub fish, but yes, then I also went. I I saw a listing for Wikipedia which described a chub or chub pack is a type of container formed by a tube of flexible packaging material. So oh. that cheap tube meat. Uh, <laughs> Also, Encyclopedia Generica, a great, great name. Mm-hmm. That's a great mm-hmm. name. Yeah, these were not high tier encyclopedias my mom was buying for two ninety nine. Mm. They're basically like a magazine series, really. Uh, uh, they weren't even from the land of Rand McNally. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I like that Maggie is like exploding out of her baby clothes because uh, you know babies grow. They 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 do. They go through clothes pretty quick. They found a fun way because Maggie can't exp- express uh, resentment. They found a way for it to affect her. So oh, all yeah. the gags are just right. her exploding out of clothes. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they've decided they're going to do it. They take him, uh, say as well, to surgery. As he's getting surgery, they think that they're going to hear their results on him. But it is instead uh, a guy learning that his game cock is going to live, but it'll never fight again. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll show you. He'll fight and he'll win. Which... I didn't know what a gamecock was. This is so great because the point of fighting chickens <clears throat> is that they're disposable and they're going to die. And you don't. Right. No one would go to the trouble of surgery <laughs> to save one. <laughs> so I I get it now. That was on Seinfeld. Little Jerry. They got too attached. Yes. Little Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> also, it's animal abuse. Arrest this man. Yes. Don't yeah. treat his animal <laughs> yeah, and totally. let him pay you. <laughs> uh, we get to see a near-death experience for Santa's little helper. He's being called into the light. I love that God is saying, like, come here, boy. Come here. Like, yes. It's sweet. That's a good boy. Into the light, boy. And then the doggy door joke at the pearly gates is amazing. It's great. And <laughs> and it also seems to imply that uh, that... That's what also great too. Homer was lying about Doggy Heaven this entire time, and here we see his viewers like, no, it's real. Doggy Heaven is a real place, and Sam's <laughs> right. little helper was going to go there. Uh, he was a Christian, everybody <laughs> practicing. You know, he he's a Christmas dog, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, there we go. Uh, though I guess though he's he is Santa's little helper. He should be Jesus's little helper. Hey, really. Saint Nick. Mm, right, right. <laughs> but then again, what does Santa have the same letters as? Mm? 
I'm, I'm about to go into a, a whole uh, church lady bit. I'll, I'm going to veer away from that. Uh, but yes, uh, the Ben Casey guy resuscitates him and uh, the whole family is happy. And this also feels like such a Swartzwelder kind of dark, realistic, cynical joke that like everybody's happy here. And then they just say like two days later, everybody's like, this sucks. Like they they're all regretting uh, the sacrifices they must make. It's a really fun take because any other show at this time would have ended with, he's okay, we love him. But in this show, it's act two ends, he's okay, and everyone hates him because all of their lives were changed for the worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it also, I don't know, I was watching it through this time and I was like, boy, I am not happy with these Simpsons right now. It is so shitty what you are all doing. Your dog, you are lucky enough to still have him. Remarkable recovery time from the surgery, by the way. I love that he bounds out of the the OR totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was getting frustrated with them. Although I love the gag of Homer being envious of the dog food and Marge just saying, I don't think you want to eat that. It's mostly snouts. Mmm, snout. Mm, snouts is a great homerism yeah (laughs) yeah you're right andrew uh his recovery time was so quick if your dog or cat gets surgery or gets you know fixed they are zooted out of their minds on whatever for hours and it's hilarious it's fun when your dog is high it's it's great take take videos And I mean, for for SLH especially, I mean, they didn't want to do dog cone jokes that will come later in the series uh, as the lamp running away. But but in this case, uh, like especially with stomach surgery, the dog's going to have to have a cone to not be biting at its uh, stitches all day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, this is very inaccurate, this cartoon. Um, <laughs> but yes, the the family, though, is very poor right now. They're really feeling the, the economic crunch. I love this scene of when Kent gets back. This is another, like, my all-time favorite Homer lines here. Yes, I'm back. Kent Brockman is not the kind of man who would leave a $500,000 a year job just because he won a lottery. Hey, I'm a journalist. Well, he's got all the money in the world. But there's one thing he can't buy. What's that? A dinosaur. (laughs) Of course, I'm not the only one who benefited from last week's big payoff. Our state schools got their share, too. Here, lottery officials present Springfield Elementary with a brand new eraser. One eraser? Oh, I'm used to my government betraying me. I was in Nam. I served for three... And speaking of lotteries, here are the winning numbers for this week's (laughs) $40,000 jackpot. Three, six, seventeen, oh, eighteen, twenty-two, and twenty-nine. Oh no! Those are my numbers. If it wasn't for that dog, I would have won. Class, for tomorrow, I want you to write a report on Copernicus. No. That uh, okay. First <laughs> off, the way Homer says a dinosaur like because he he's about to say like love but he's like no you can buy love with lots of money it's easy and he, so he has to name an impossible thing to buy <laughs> and uh though this is the plot of jurassic park uh he's predicting here oh i it's, guess uh, that, it's, yeah oh it's like it's it's very much a uh you know childish delivery it's, a, it's definitely a thing a kid oh well, I don't know, a dinosaur, you know. You're right, yeah, he is a kid. He, it's Homer yeah. is a big kid when Swartzwelder writes him. And in the previous episode, we had the reveal that Skinner was a nom, right? So yes, they're yeah. really running with it now. They're like, yes, a new angle on Skinner. <laughs> this, The second, yeah, in, in separate vocations, 
Xander, they that's why they had the line where Skinner says, like, I saw some, some terrible things in Nam, but you have to question why he's he's doing that reaction to like uh somebody vandalizing the the school mascot. And now uh, that he Yeah, okay. But I love now that they have him like now turn it around of like he's an angry uh, Vietnam vet who's like disappointed in his government. He's almost having like a Rambo speech here, really. Definitely. It is it is the first the opening minutes of uh, First Blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Though I suppose. <laughs> yeah. When I say that, I should say First Blood, not the other Rambos that are like, actually, the problem with the Vietnam War is that we didn't kill everyone in Vietnam. And now he's going to fix that. <laughs> yeah. You watch that 2008 movie and it's like, here's some ways we could have won. And you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> That was the mistake of, of uh, yeah, the Rambo movies. First Blood is so different from the others. Very much so. Very, very much so. He's not riding alongside the Taliban in that one. <laughs> the ultimate team up. Uh, and because John Swartzwelder is writing this, I love these old timey scenes he throws in because Homer is dancing in a bar for money and they're making him sing not anything modern, not even an oldie, a song from 1844. Uh, either they love standards from that era or they really love it's a wonderful life <laughs> when i hear that song my first thought is it's a wonderful life yeah they, <laughs> and i'm uh, finding out now it's a minstrel song though so ooh, well ooh, okay hey now and let's just remember it being sung by donna reed and jimmy stewart yeah yeah um, <laughs> oh there's the great uh, the mo gag where the guys are sort of like giving homer trouble and throwing the quarters at him and he's like hey before that guy was singing for quarters, he was my best customer. <laughs> that guy, yeah, they, they mentioned on the commentary that guy in the script was called Sadistic Barfly. <laughs> that was oh, his official yes. name. Uh, and I feel like in a few seasons, once Homer runs out to get his quarter, that's the joke. But I feel like a few seasons later, they would have a car accident noise or something like yes. this. Yeah. I love the shot, too. Like, it's it's such a great, like, this is the animators right here. Like, it's this, like tilted up shot of him running so it's like you know very it's such a, uh, a creative perspective to see mm -hmm. homer running after that quarter <laughs> as a kid it made me so sad and it's still uh obviously it th th this happened to a fictional character but that marge marge gets screwed worse than anybody because yeah because she didn't play her lotto in one week one week after she doesn't win now i'm if they made it an amount like if it was a million dollars that would be like that would be too cruel they couldn't do that so forty thousand right. dollars is a painful amount of money mm -hmm. to not win but mm. it's not a million dollars <laughs> and also you know she said she's gonna split it with her the gals at the the hair salon anyway so really it's more like she lost out on ten thousand dollars which again nobody wants to miss out on ten thousand dollars but uh it's an amount of money she can imagine yeah she can conceive of that much money and too that they're like they got ruined by seven hundred and fifty dollars and here they would have had the forty thousand to not even worry about that yeah it's just sad it's, it's uh, totally and, cruel <laughs> and and also we see uh maggie explode out of her clothes as well <laughs> And we see Bart get his hair cut uh, by squeak a different squeaky voice teen. But uh, and Mr. Laswell is a great manager name. I love that. Yes, definitely is. They always pick the great, just a name that sounds like he would be a manager at a Krusty Burger or a Barber College. I don't know how they are so good at pinpointing when a name works for a character like that to say it. Oh, 
perfect. Bill and Josh would tell us that that would be uh, the one of those four a.m. nights of like, no, that's not the <laughs> that's not the perfect horrible name, Laszlo Panaflex. We need we need another. <laughs> I think this is the first of maybe three. Uh, Mister Blank, it happened again by oh, a yeah, voice yeah, team. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's pissed at Santa's little helper again. It, even more so than the previous scene, Andrew. This was the one where you go like, man, the family's asking for it here. Just them all like. Yeah. This sad little dog, uh, not little, but this sad dog who just wants to play. They all go just like, you know, Homer saying, I know you can understand me, but I hate you. <laughs> yes. Ugh. He can't understand you, Homer. That's the problem, man. He feels your vibes and you're making him feel sad. And now I feel sad. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> hey, they'll all learn their lesson. But uh, Lisa, I, Lisa fairly lucky to find a book on the subject she needed to study at the bus station. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty lucky. A, a third-rate biography of Copernicus. <laughs> what mean, are they getting wrong? Also, I, you know, Lisa, it's it's an overnight essay. You don't have to read a whole yes. book in the second grade, too. Like, <laughs> it's also a, a great. I mean, it's funny on its face, just that she found the book at the bus station. But also, like when you think about it, she definitely didn't just go to the bus station first. So that is a laundry list of places she was looking for a Copernicus biography. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is like <laughs> her fifth trip to a different place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the the family's going to bed. Now, now as someone with a spouse, uh, I have had these moments of like, oh, you mean tonight? <laughs> of just like that you you say a little white lie, like, well, did you take out the trash or well, did you did you write that check to the, or pay that bill? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, you mean this month? Uh, I, no. I, I have written a check <laughs> yeah, in my I, lifetime. I, I, uh, you know, I didn't really lie. <laughs> uh, we also see Maggie in her crown royal bag again. Lost on me as a kid. I did not not realize that uh, fancier alcohols could appear in purple bags. Crown royal is not fancy at all, and oh. I question why it comes in a bag. That velvet bag tricked me into thinking it's yeah. fancy. Yeah. It's like thirty bucks for a bottle. I don't know why it bottle. does. Yeah. Uh, my, yeah, my parents would have that in stock in the uh, the dining room bar cart, so that that one sadly was not lost on me. <laughs> I, I assumed it was fancy until I started buying hard liquor, and I was like, oh, this is actually fairly cheap. And it turns <laughs> yeah. out to be what they mix every well drink with at bars. Mm -hmm. The, uh, I mean, the, the bag is so fancy, though. It's got to be real velvet, right? I know. I know. <laughs> this, uh, the Crown Royal bags actually came up recently, and uh, I was hanging out with a friend I, I hadn't seen in a bit. Part One of the subjects was how happy she was to not be with a former uh, boyfriend. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, another person at this, at this grouping had a Crown Royal bag that they were using for like a raffle we were doing. And when she saw it, she's like, oh, no. And we're like, what? And she's like... Uh, my ex kept his crown royal. It used the crown royal bag to keep his uh, condoms, and this is a horrible, <laughs> uh, horrible thro uh, reminder of this here. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, oh. I, I assumed it would be that the weed went in there, but no, it was it was yeah, condoms totally. Which also, look, I didn't want to dig more into this, but I was like. <laughs> These were people in a long, like, like five year long relationship. Like, why was he using condoms still? Like, you guys should have a bigger plan, a better plan. Than yeah. That. Yeah. I, I don't get it. 
but I didn't want to pry more. I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, uh, well, that's why it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't. No. It's like, well, with all the cheating I'm doing, uh, I got to wear this condom. <laughs> that, that should have been her tip off, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> She's much happier now. She's much happier now. Oh, this, that's all that matters. <laughs> uh, it's a funny, it was a funny joke uh, now, but okay. So, but yes, everybody is passing the buck. They're not letting him out. And so, or they're not closing the gate and Santa's little helper gets out. This is an important thing to catch here in most Santa's little helper scenes though, that uh, Reardon mentioned, Jim Reardon, the director, I mentioned this on the commentary. A big rule for graining is that animals should not act like people. They cannot emote mm-hmm. like a person. It's one of Matt Groening's biggest pet peeves uh, in animation. And so Reardon is doing his best to stick with that while still having Santa's little helper's face tell a story and yeah. like they, they're trying to keep it as blank as possible so when he looks back it is so subtle how they have to make him mm-hmm. look like a little sad without emoting too much it's it's probably i think a nice combination of i mean they do i think he is so nicely animated here i always love looking at santa's little helper but it is i'm yeah it's welker doing him here and it, you know welker getting just the right whimpers you know like the, you know the whimpers you know when he's ill are different than other kinds of oh you're ignoring me and you're mad at me whimpers like we always joke around on on whm you know with welker and due to such a storied career golden toilet whole thing but he's totally deserving of it because like what you can just easily pass off is like guys just barking into a garbage can top like no he has a true art to what he is doing and this episode does showcase a lot of that yeah welker's sound effects here are doing so a lot of the work he is worth every dollar bob uh did the investigative work on on seeing how that uh this the show literally stopped hiring frank welker to save money like, yes <laughs> uh, by season 13 right we're, we're in the post welker world yes now oh, now wow. they just okay. are like uh dan castle now can just say bark what Who if cares? jim cummings was a horse that would be kind of fun <laughs> he's cheaper but wait yeah. no he's winnie the pooh why, why was he cheaper than frank welker yeah, he's <laughs> honestly Welker should be mad that Jim Cummings is lowball and his bit like underbidding him on these projects. No, I Frank Welker. Frank Welker is such a undervalued thing. We're gonna miss him when he retires at some point. Uh, like yeah. he's he he's not just Freddy for the uh, on Scooby Doo for fifty years. He's also every <laughs> every time you thought you heard a uh, a monkey, a parrot, a lion, a dog, <laughs> anything make a noise. It's like no, that was just Frank Welker. That they didn't make yep. that noise. Total genius. Mark Evanier, he, the the comic and cartoon writer, he had this great point about cat, and he's done a ton of voice casting and voice directing. He says. That you audition a hundred people and then you hire Frank Welker. Like that's that's how it goes over and over again. But yes, it's the next morning. Uh, the family realizes he's gone. Homer thinks that uh, he sees him, but he's like, oh, wait, that, no, that's just a horse. I love that. No, a horse just is just walking horse. down their street for some reason. Here, boy! Here's that his little helper! Oh, it's all my fault. I called him a dumb dog. Oh, he's gone and he's never coming back. Wait, there he is. No, that's a horse. And, you know, this Peter and the Wolf thing, it's it's very well executed, but it feels to me like the show trying to prove something. You know, it's it feels to me like they're saying we're not just lowbrow, you know, mm. jokes about cursing and sex and violence. Look at this nice little thing we put together for you. That's what it feels like <laughs> to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems intentionally pastoral to, like, reference, like, oh, you know, 
we could do Bambi. We can do that. Like we can just have this long. And and I love seeing uh, uh, Sam's little helper go on this many adventures. Like basically from like all these like famous like stories of dogs uh, or from movies. Like the dog and the bear fight is amazing. <laughs> like, yes, it's all done. It reminds me. I was just watching old Mystery Science Theaters uh, for first time in a while. And Prince of Space has the opening sketch of Crow and Tom Servo acting out dog and bear and basically describing this kind of fight. And it's such a, I lo- uh, that's a great sketch. He saves a baby from a burning building, just like Jose Canseco. And, uh, and also he stops for a second to eat a bug. Um, that's a cute little moment. <laughs> and speaking of Frank Welker, on the commentary, Al Jean says, oh, also Frank Welker has this trick that he does of like, he can do a dog and a cat fighting at the same time. They just do it in the episode. Like you get to hear it over when the dot chases another dot. That's oh, him just wow. doing his party trick. It feels like they wrote that in because they knew he could do it. And he does a great job. Definitely. And then uh, he hitches a ride on the Michael Jackson Expressway. Yeah. Later renamed the Matlock Expressway. Let's say it happened after 1993. We'll let you figure out why. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, it was was part of Sideshow Bob Roberts' big plan. But yeah, you're right. Oh, right. The mayoral campaign, of course. And it was before that, the Dalai Lama Express. Right, right. Uh, Also, you can see that on the map, it says this is Schwarzwelder County, uh, Mm. which hardly has stuck in the show. But Bill and Josh being the first Simpsons nerds to write for the show, when they their first episode in charge, home sweet, home diddly, dumb and doodly, when they go to the courthouse, it is the county courthouse and there's a statue of Schwarzwelder out front. That's right. So. Is, is he holding the scales oh. of justice or something? Or I forget what he's doing. He has, he's riding a horse and oh, he has on okay. like the uh, the World War One German pointed helmet. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's yeah. right. right. Also, that van, it's, uh, that van of the dog catcher has a lot of telltale stains on it that, uh, that, that make me sad. <laughs> and so, yes, the, meanwhile, the family is trying to figure out how to put up the right signs to find him. And we just have uh, pictures of Homer hurting the dog, which this, again, feels like a graining thing. The graining really doesn't like animal violence. And I think the deal was that that's why Santa's little helper gets to bite back or punch Homer impossibly. In another picture, I love this gag because it's so funny to me from the the angle of like, why would you be taking pictures of those things? It's so perfect. Like, why, presumably, Marge, are you taking a picture? of Homer kicking the dog in the ass, you know? I mean, I guess boxing like a kangaroo, you want to document that. But otherwise, the timing of those, you know, pictures being taken is so great. It's also great that when you see their photo of their lost dog photo, they finally did pick... It's Homer right before, like, Sans Little Helper is about to be strangled, but technically it's he's not being heard in the picture. Yeah. So then we, we cut to Burns' home, and uh, we get a rare Burns and Ned Flanders interaction. Mm. <laughs> so recycling is our way of giving Mother Earth a great big hug. Yes, well, it does sound like fun. I can't wait to start pawing through my garbage like some starving raccoon. Release the hounds. Well, neighbor, I see you've got your running shoes on. That's a good thing. <laughs> What's wrong with Crippler? Oh, he's getting on, sir. He's been here since the late 60s. Ah, oh, yes. I'll never forget the day he bagged his first hippie. That young man didn't think it was too groovy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm looking for something in an attack dog. One who likes the sweet, gamey tang of human flesh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Why, here's the fellow. Wiry, fast, firm, proud buttocks. Reminds me of me. <laughs> so Burns knows what he human flesh tastes like. Yes, he's, he's certainly does. <laughs> he's hunted men for sports. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I I really think that that is exactly what Schwarzwelder thinks uh, recycling is mm-hmm. like that, it, that that is his legitimate belief. Uh, in in five years, Burns can't even say recycling. He doesn't say it here. Recycling. <laughs> You're right. It didn't register. <laughs> now it seems crazy. Crippler, this dog, uh, he should be at least 23 if you think about it, because 92, maybe he was around in 68 as a puppy. This is breaking news, folks, because the world's oldest dog has just been discovered. Uh, Guinness record holder Bobby B O B I the dog is thirty years old, three zero Whoa. years old. Holy crap! This has been verified kind of by the Guinness organization, a fine organization. Uh, I, I I don't know if they found out what kind of dog it is. It's a, it's, it's a like dog. a Portuguese farm dog. Yeah. Is, yeah. Oh, okay. Like uh, it's it. a, like a brown farm dog. Yeah, and. Uh, the Bob, you shared with me the NPR reporting on it. And yeah, when I saw the, the, the other interesting thing with Bobby is that like, he was like the runt of his litter and apparently, uh, his, he was buried alive with, uh, as a puppy of just like, well, this oh. puppy like throw it out. Oh, I, I think the story was, uh, well, where, wherever they were in the world at this time, it's like, oh, the dog had puppies, uh, bury them alive because we can't take care of the puppies. But Bobby was hidden because Bobby was so small. So when they got back after burying, you know, little puppies, they're like, oh, there's one left. We can't bury another one. <laughs> You're the one with the mood. <laughs> so it was worse than you thought, Henry. Wow, man. Yeah. Oh, that's it. <laughs> so it survived being buried. This is like uh, the, uh, the like the, the non-kill bill, like mm. never buried alive, but still lived to spite everyone. <laughs> totally. Well, if it was the other way and Bobby was the one that was buried alive for being the runt of the litter and then dug itself out of the grave, I mean... No wonder it's 30. That's a pet cemetery dog. It's been dead the whole time. <laughs> he, you know, uh, also in the in the videos of him, he seems a lot more uh, active than Crippler. It uh, they, <laughs> g- gets around pretty good for a 30. I mean, 30 years. That's that is wow. an incredible age for a dog. Yeah. Uh, also noteworthy in this scene is that in reference to the previous Santa's Little Helper episode, Bart's dog gets an F. Ned is re- wearing his assassin's sneakers here. Oh, right. Right. Yes, because the dog tears those up in the that episode. He tears up Homer's, uh, but Homer yeah, is okay. jealous of Ned. So yeah, that's when, right. Yeah. <laughs> so in Burns, it was uh, I think it was Reardon who wanted to do that. He's like, oh, since the script says Burns can see he's wearing running shoes, then he's like, well, <laughs> let's just put him in the assassins then. Let's let's go all the way. That's so funny. I love uh, you know got to appreciate the uh, the dog pound guy coming into work when he was clearly so ill that his entire body was green. <laughs> he has hepatitis. I think. Yeah, he yeah, looks he... like a Martian or something. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, I, I like, too, that it makes sense that Burns is so cheap that his new guard dog he's going to adopt he's not going to from the pound. Yeah. <laughs> he's not getting a fancy killer dog from a kennel. No, and, no. And and Burns is slim like a greyhound. He's uh, both have uh, visible rib cages. So <laughs> now, but the proud buttocks thing, I, I don't see that on Burns. We know he has a bony old behind. That's right, and he's proud of it too. <laughs> <laughs> 
then get some more continuity as the family's putting up the lost dog f- uh, posters they're covering up the missing seymour skinner poster from bart the murderer i think this episode has the most callbacks to a previous one with the episode not being about that because we have callbacks to bart the murderer uh saturdays of thunder bart's dog gets an f uh there's got to be one more the goons burns calls into the room is the one who is going to beat homer up in uh, blood feud as well uh yeah. maybe i mean those are just recurring characters sure, though. Sure. but uh, at least three callbacks which is not <laughs> a common thing for this show especially now uh, and so burns is starting to train him he's very hands-on with training his killer hounds uh, and that i i love smither in his girl scout outfit and and the way burn says if that was a real if that were a real girl scout i would have been bothered by now <laughs> which burns equates to being killed like it's, it's phrased yes. like i would be dead i would have been killed by now but i would have been bothered we have a fun cut to barney's apartment which no as an attack dog, you'll be expected to neutralize intruders. Want to buy some cookies? Want to buy some cookies? <laughs> if that were a real Girl Scout, I'd have been bothered by now. I know how you feel. I lost my dog, too. He's in here somewhere. This completes a story we'd heard before. When we'd seen Barney's apartment in another episode, the director of that episode, Jim Rich Moore, said he based it on another animator's apartment mm. in their 20s. Jim Reardon on the commentary is like, okay, it's it's my apartment. Okay, this is what... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It was their apartment. They lived together. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And he... He even says like I don't think he says it was that messy, but he does say like, "Yeah, we had the we had the that the table the coffee table that was like a cable spool. They, they had that." <laughs> oh my god, that sounds unpleasant. And the Barney's lost dog must just be eating garbage all around him and can't get free. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the mournful dog noise you hear coming from somewhere yes. in the scene. Mournful and muffled, like. yes. It is clearly under something. There's the great uh, visual gag of Homer proudly putting up the last sign. Ah, that's that. And then it's the building being demolished. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And great animation of the implosion, too. It's really well Mm -hmm. done. Then we have a a little moment of of Burns has to set it up with ADR saying why he's showing this video to him. And again, as a kid... They didn't know Clockwork Orange. This seemed insane and horrible animal cruelty if you don't know the reference. Yes, Uh, big time. But yes, it's the Ludovico technique from Clockwork Orange, right down even to playing uh, some Beethoven music over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, flew right over my head as a kid. I've said it before. The reason I watched movies like clockwork orange in my teens was because i was sick of not getting references on the simpsons so i was like well i gotta watch this i gotta watch godfather gotta watch it yeah yeah i watched the natural for this show i didn't need to Oh wow that is commitment and recently too yeah it's it really does suck everyone my job is so hard (laughs) is there a i was maybe you guys can solve this riddle because i was thinking about yeah like fairly confident this is the first place i ever saw a clockwork reference and then you know bart being alex for halloween like we mentioned is there a clock a similar to this santa's little helper sequence with the eyeballs um is there a reference to that in Tiny Toons somewhere? Yes, Andrew, I was thinking of that. Uh, where else have I seen this as a kid before I knew what it was? And I think it was either Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. Something from that okay, world of yeah. shows. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah, I this think man, nuts. I think Montana Max does it to somebody. Yeah. Oh, okay. He makes someone watch Ishtar probably, given the time <laughs> period. <laughs> 
why well, I mean Tiny Toons, they did an entire a full episode long parody of Sunset Boulevard that uh, mm-hmm. was completely lost on me as a kid. Uh, God, I love that show. Uh, and yes, in the in the clips that uh, they're playing includes uh, Lyndon B. Johnson holding up a dog by its ears. Bob went already <laughs> into the history of this a ton in our most recent King of the Hill episode we covered. Yes, LBJ uh, holding the dog up by its ears for a photo op. The dog's name was him. <laughs> H-I-M. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, Andrew, and all our listeners out there, if you want to see Tiny Toons make a Clockwork Orange reference, why look up the cartoon Slaughterhouse Jive in which Montana Ooh. Max makes a character watch the film how to make a hamburger right there we thank you yeah it's the the cow is describing what's going to happen to him when it's killed that's right man that was some anti-meat propaganda in this kid's cartoon (laughs) (laughs) thank you oh man that's uh that was gonna drive me crazy and kurt vonnegut reference too nice Bart's hair has grown back by the time we head back to the family so some time has passed of the of sans little helper being gone I love that Homer cries hardest when he sees the pee stain. Or <laughs> <laughs> he took a whiz on the rug. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the whole ha- family is giving up hope. Poor Santa's little helper. I'm starting to think we'll never see him again. That was his dish. And that was his leash. And that's where he took a whiz on the rug. <laughs> Homer, get a hold of yourself. Even if he has passed on, there's no reason to cry. Remember, doggy heaven? Oh, Marge, there is no such place. (coughs) Or, to put it another way, there is. (laughs) I'm not giving up. I don't care if I have to knock on every door in this two-bit town. I'm going to find my dog. And I'll be right here watching TV. Okay, so that scene is interesting because that is completely tacked on. I think the scene, humor-wise, is so much funnier if it ends with Homer saying, like, or to put it another way, there is. But clearly there was a feeling that the stakes were not properly addressed, so they needed to have Bart explain that he's not giving up. And so they reused the scene. The scene is... Bart pointing at himself is from dancing Homer when he's telling uh, the family he doesn't want to move when mm. Homer's like, oh, we're going to move to Capital City. And Bart's going like, I yeah. can't leave this town. And Homer's reaction, though, is harder to, to pin down. I think, honestly, it looks like it's from a, the next Treehouse of Horror, but that just wouldn't work with the production yeah. timeline. Any any shot of him watching TV because he's like kind of sitting up like looking at something on the TV. So I don't know what it is, but, but they're both stolen from other episodes. My, my first shots. thought was oh, wow. Saturday's a thunder, but in the opening, when he's watching the TV though, he has on his uh, undershirt. Hmm. So it, it couldn't be that, but uh, sorry. yes, but it would have been funnier if they just ended with, uh, or put another way. There is <laughs> cut to the next Definitely. scene. I love uh, Castellaneta's performance here because the way that he, it's not like a Marge, you and I both know there is no doggy heaven. The way that he says there is, like as if he thinks Marge thinks there is and he's breaking the news to her. (laughs) God damn it. That is such a smart delivery of, of that line. Oh. It makes it funnier that Homer not only is so stupid, but he also he is dumb. He's also kind of condescendingly assuming he fooled Marge along with the kids. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, that makes yeah, you're right. It makes it even better. I also with the reusing of that animation, it leads to like a great rant on the commentary. Like grading <laughs> is hot on this commentary. Yeah, and, I think Al Jean said, Oh, we like to do it. I don't think you can tell that we reuse the animation and Matt says, Oh, I can tell. <laughs> John, I hate it. I hate it when they yeah. do this. And we can tell you, Andrew, these showrunners, they like doing this a lot and they'll do it a lot in season four, uh reusing old animation to either make new oh. jokes or to clarify something about the plot. And it was uh-huh. harder to tell on an SD TV, but now it's easy to see how the video effects are sort of rock and rolling the animation and moving the mouths around. So uh, okay. I could see at the time how they thought they could get away with it, but we fooled them. Sure. And then Gene and Reese do it even worse in The Critic. The Critic uh, is right a big after. offender of that. Yeah. yeah. I think in The Critic, I've actually noticed that a bunch. Um, maybe because it's a, a more contained amount of episodes that I've watched just as obsessively as The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny too uh, Graining calls out specifically the Fox Network Saturday morning for using clips without his uh, being asked and uh, I found the thing that he's talking Ooh. about too This it was recently very helpfully uploaded I'd never seen this before so in my memory this happened earlier in the 90s but this was actually done in 1996 in the fall of 1996 on Fox's Saturday morning to promote two children the season 8 premiere or you only move twice uh bart hosts the morning and i i have a little clip of it here only one more week until my master plan to take over fox kids is up and running next saturday morning fox is going to do things the bart simpson way see right now i'm redirecting the fox satellite here to springfield where i will be able to control all the tvs in america to make my very own fox kids bart casting network whoa it's an awesome responsibility really i guess i could use my newfound power to work towards world peace or i could show simpsons clips including a special sneak peek at the season premiere well i think you can so yes <laughs> i i would think though my one thought is that if that pissed off graining so much he couldn't have been happy that nancy cartwright then went whole hog and it was like yeah i'll record like an hour of new stuff as bart for mm. this commercial like she clearly was cool with doing it and so what was it was it like he he would host the interstitials on the saturday morning is that what he, this was advertising yeah, there was an era in which okay. some of their late night cartoon friends would come on Saturday mornings to do bumpers. And the oh, King of the Hill weird. ones are great. There's a great this. King of the Hill one where Hank Hill is talking to the Silver Surfer. <laughs> okay, all right. That, you just sort of kick something. That's where that there. comes from, yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. All right. That's it so seemed weird. like Mike Judge was more uh, ready to have fun with them than uh, Matt Groening did not agree to that. But yes, if you look up Fox Bart casting and you can see a, uh, a basically like 10 minute long video of all of the clips uh, they did. And yeah, I mean, it's not very well done clipping together of things to have Bart say words, but we should uh, call this Bart casting. Yeah, totally. So many years into this, it, uh, it now nah, you know. What, let's do it. If another patent troll squats on podcasting, we can just say no, no. We've been barcasting this entire time. There you go, perfect. Come on. Uh, and uh, then we cut to Santa's little helper. He has completed his training. The first person shot of him mauling Burns is great. What a great shot. Oh yeah. Especially though, it is like full on animal abuse. Like his little like pu- he's punching a dog in the in the face. In the soft nose. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I- and then like the way they draw Santa's a little helper here too, where it's like he doesn't have a black eye, but there's just like some purple lining. I don't you know, he looks like they do a good job at making one of the most innocent dogs in television history 
look legitimately menacing. Uh, and we have one more scene of uh, Rich Kent Brockman here. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kent Brockman. Um, excuse me, sir. I lost my dog. Mm-hmm. And I suppose you want me to buy you a new one, hmm? You know, ever since I won the lottery, everybody wants a piece of Kent Brockman. Homeless, this, and hungry, that. Gee, I'm sorry, mister. Sir, your llama just bit Ted Kennedy. Good. <laughs> I, uh, I hate to interrupt your longevity treatment, sir, but there's a sweet little boy at the door. Release the hounds. Santa's little helper, it's you! <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, again... I feel like him complaining about homeless this and hungry that. I think that Schwarzwelder, uh, his real feelings on charity. Yes. <laughs> uh, what about this llama thing, Henry? You were teasing it. I've I've got some dirt about this hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber here. Yes. Uh, both of these rich guy things. It turns out is Michael Jackson. Bob Bob finding the one led me to look up the other. So. <laughs> this bit about the llama biting Ted Kennedy uh, is inspired by a real thing with Michael Jackson. The, the Michael Jackson did have llamas as pets. He uh, had had a lot of them on, on his ranch. Uh, they didn't bite Ted Kennedy. But what they did do was annoy Freddie Mercury uh, of Queen. <laughs> this, uh, this was a story I'd never heard before this, which is that in the mid 80s, um, right before Thriller, Freddie Mercury wants to record for a solo album a few songs with Michael Jackson. It's kind of like a trading songs kind of thing. And uh, this is told by uh, Queen's manager posthumously after after Freddie Mercury passes away. They have a falling out and they don't release the songs together. And one of the reasons was is that Freddie Mercury just thought he was too weird, especially bringing llamas to recordings, to studios. Uh, to, to quote the manager, he said that Freddie Mercury said to him, can you get me out of here? I'm recording with a llama. <laughs> uh, was that part of that? Freddie Mercury movie they made with uh, Mr. Robot. You know, I don't know if that llama bit was. I didn't see that movie. It okay. made me too sad. Uh, yeah, I well, don't. Uh, I don't recall any llamas in that terrible movie. Um, they had to make no, room for so. hearing about the lives of all the people who aren't Freddie Mercury in the band, who are very boring people, and I don't <laughs> care about. <laughs> this oxygen chamber, though. So if you look at the uh, the image of Burns in it, it is a direct parody of the uh, once famous images of Michael Jackson in a chamber that's very similar. And the story behind that is uh, he may have used a chamber like that to recover from burns he sustained while filming a Pepsi commercial that used to be a famous story about him. It actually happened. Pyrotechnics caused a fire and it, it hurt him and he might have used this sort of device to help heal himself out of hospital. But... As a little joke, because we all know he's got a great sense of humor, that Michael Jackson, funny guy, funny guy. He uh, got pictures of himself taken in the chamber and leaked them to the press to promote Captain EO. That was his idea. Uh, wow. Okay. Even if it was plan. bad publicity, it was still like people are talking about me and what a weirdo I am. And, you know, it's it's Michael Jackson. He's in the news. So right. that's why he did it. He eventually purchased one for his own use, but he claims or people that know him claims that he didn't really use it because using it too much is actually dangerous. Oh, okay. That's so funny. Oh. So he used it as a joke at first and then unironically is like, you know, I kind of want one of these, though. And that's where we get the joke with Homer, the, the tent that gives him sexual powers or whatever. That's the Michael yeah, Jackson oh, yes. in the chamber thing. So it lived <laughs> on a few more true. years. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, that uh, that funny kid or Michael Jackson. And oh, oh yes, and if you want to find the song he did with Freddie Mercury, it actually did get released in 2012 after both were dead. Uh, oh, it's weird. It's called "There Must Be More to Life Than This," which. <laughs> Again, I didn't know about this song. It there was a version of it Freddie Mercury put out uh by himself, but mm. uh they released the version in 2012. Brian May actually is quoted as saying that there's there's three songs they did together, but the Jackson Estate uh, apparently he had described it as walking through a river of glue to try to Oof. deal with the Jackson Estate, and he said oh. the best they could get was this one song released. So Wow. And also, finally, in breaking news, that chamber was recovered in 2019. It was found. The Michael Jackson chamber. Oh, wow. They should tour it around the country. Climb in. <laughs> Climb in. Oh. Do it yourself. Yeah. If you can afford it, I mean, if I could afford it, I'd probably buy a personal Bacta tank to keep in my house. Like, that's what this <laughs> sounds like. Uh, you could be the most boring parts of that Book of Boba Fett show. Oh, you know? my God. You mean like 45% of the first season? It's so back to tank footage. Good Lord, what an awful endeavor. Uh, and so, uh, yes, Bart is reunited with uh, them. Uh, yes, also, too, that Burns doesn't. It takes one second for Burns to hear there's a cute boy outside that he's like, release sounds, release sounds, <laughs> like just cuts right. It doesn't even open his eyes. And so Bart is about to be murdered by his own dog. Uh, also, <laughs> actually, here's the callback. Uh, another callback in here to continuity remember in the thing bart versus thanksgiving bart is being chased by the hounds and he has to find his way through a hedge wall and jump through it he's doing the same thing here but now he's stuck in a concrete wall and he's oh, okay. he can't get oh. through it as before so this is kind of a sequel scene here too yeah, i call that a reference and yes sans little helper is jumping at him and mid lunge that is jugular <laughs> He has flashbacks, and he realizes how much he loves Bart. I don't know if this is a bit of a meta joke. I'm always trying to figure this out. We see this flashback, this montage. I think part of the joke is, oh, we actually don't have enough clips of them having fun together because yes. they have to make up a new clip of them, you know, getting pictures in a photo booth, I guess. But they keep reusing the same clips over and over. So it's either <laughs> a meta joke on how they don't have many clips yet or that uh, SLH is a, just a dumb dog that can't remember a lot. So read it how you want. Andrew, do you have any th thoughts on this one? I totally read it as, yeah, this is only season three. We don't have a ton with this dog, you know. I could see it going the other way, too, but I think it is kind of a little little navel-gazing uh, gag. You know, Bob, since you, uh, I think it is an intentional thing that because they double up a bunch of clips, which I feel like rubs in the fact that like, yeah, we got to show some clips twice because there's only so many. The Frisbee will hit his head three times at least. <laughs> uh, and so he lands on Barton and, and starts giving him affectionate little kisses. It's very cute. And then he also uses his new killer instinct to good use to scare away the other hounds. It's It's great. Uh, I mean, a pack of Rottweilers would rip apart a greyhound, like, but uh, <laughs> yes. he's, he's that, just that scary. But, uh, but yes, we have one last scene here, a happy ending with a lot of petting. Let me pet him again. I've already petted him for 10 minutes. I know, I want to pet him again. You can pet the cat. The cat? What's the point? Oh, 
That cat was so ready. Snowball <laughs> yeah. too. I love the posing. The posing of like, and it's a very real cat thing of like putting the tail and the butt up to be like, eh, eh, give it a pat. <laughs> what's the point? What's the point? I love on the shot of Homer saying, what's the point? The cat is on this like green chair that's next to the television, which isn't always there. I love a good mystery furniture piece <laughs> that just exists for one joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, everybody is so happy to pet Sans Little Helper. They've all learned their lesson. It's, it's funny. Twice <laughs> in the episode, they're like, oh, they have to learn twice to not take Santa's Little Helper for granted. <laughs> not just yeah, once, exactly. twice. <laughs> uh, and yes, we get one last gag of no dogs were harmed in the filming of this episode. A cat got sick and somebody shot a duck but that's it so i don't approve of that <laughs> bird violence hey you know what i never play this jingle anymore that's but true. It, it deserves it here everybody hates birds right yes the episode ends with the death of a bird off screen <laughs> yes yeah. uh which i think that too is there they talk a lot about how in season three they kept asking themselves do we end with something sweet or do we do a joke i think this is the the other side of the coin where in separate vocations they decided no let's have a sweet ending bart listens to lisa playing the sax this time they're mm. like and let's have a one more joke. A cat's got to puke. A yep. duck's got to die. The end. <laughs> Stay tuned for Martin. Yeah, Martin would be next, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It is that, that nice melding again, though, because what you're hearing, you know, the text is the joke. And then what you're hearing is still just the sweet affection of the family as they cut to outside the house. And you just hear them being happy with their. Do- so it's oh, man, the way that they are. So they make this shit look so easy. And I know it is anything but. Uh, so another great episode that I was happy to be on. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. I love this one. Yeah, this one, uh, it makes me resent uh, Bart's dog gets enough, number one, because uh, that doesn't do it for me. I'm always thinking of, well, Dog of Death is funnier, and Dog of Death has burns, and Dog of Death doesn't have this Tracy Ullman character I find unappealing. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, in a vacuum by itself, it's a very strong story. There aren't a lot of stories about the dog itself because they're hard to do. Even Mm. in the one about uh, SLH goes away and Laddie comes in, SLH is off screen for most of the episode. It's not really about him, even though it's an an SLH episode. So I feel like this could be the strong one about the dog and uh i'm gonna go with that yeah i think so too you know they they did do uh they've done some actually more with him in the last couple of years on the show yeah yeah <laughs> uh with like him him meeting his mom and also uh his one of his original like owners which is played by kate blanchett i believe hmm. like it's oh, wow uh, <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah, no, this this is such a classic too because the entire first act of the lottery is just an amazing act one. It yes. is a real act one off ramp into then at the end of it, they're like, okay, now the dog's sick. Let's talk about it. But I just love, and I mean, like I said, the biggest man in the world covered in 14 karat gold. <laughs> one of the best moments in the entire series to me. Like, I, I love it so much. And one this... of us will get that art before we die. We'll be hanging in one of our homes. <laughs> yes. it, may, it might tear us apart. <laughs> oh, God, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever doesn't get it is going to will we'll be je- too jealous. Uh, thanks for joining us so much, Andrew. Uh, we love We yeah. Hate Movies. Please let us know where to find you online and what's coming up for We Hate Movies. This episode's going live towards the end of February. Maybe you can tease some March things if you're able to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, new episodes of We Hate Movies every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go direct to the source at whmpodcast.com. And then we have a Patreon, which uh, you know we do a bunch of sideshows on. Stuff about Star Trek, Star Wars, animation stuff. That's patreon.com slash we hate movies. And our newest... Uh, 
uh, endeavor is bulking up our YouTube channel, trying to have more of a presence there, youtube.com slash wehatemovies. We do a uh, uh, weekly show every Monday at noon Eastern uh, where we live stream box office grosses from the previous weekend. We talk about new trailers, you know, stuff we've seen. So that's another thing that we just started a couple weeks ago. But uh, yeah, so it's been busy but fun. And as far as uh, what we have coming up, March will be our listener request month. That's where uh, folks, you know, call in and tell us what to watch. And uh, so we're actually, from the point we're recording this, in a few days, a week from today, actually, we'll be doing a live drawing on our our live Monday show. So I don't yet know (laughs) what I'm going to be watching and talking about for the month of March. But I can say this, the month after that, we're doing... uh, we Hate Movies presents April, where uh, we will be talking monkey and primate related movies. Ooh. Even though it's April, there will be various, you know, stages of creatures like that. So I think the only one we have pinned down, well, see, Dunstan checks in. You can expect an episode on that and uh, a We Love Movies episode on our Patreon for the uh, 68 Planet of the Apes. Funny enough, talking about Planet of the Apes earlier. Oh, so that's awesome. That's yeah. A then- bunch of what's going on, yeah. And I do want to say, since the last time we recorded, Andrew, I saw you guys live, and I have to tell our yes. audience, if you get a chance to, if they're if they're in town, please see We Hit Movies Live. You'll have a great time. And I also hung out with all you guys, and you were all perfect gentlemen. No one tried anything, and I respect that. <laughs> yes, yes. No one got handsy. It was awesome uh, hanging out with you and Nina. It was really, really cool. Uh, that was in Denver. Um, yeah, we are hoping to have some spring dates confirmed, uh, hopefully by the time this airs. So you can always find that information uh, again, on our website, whmpodcast.com. Man, thank you so much, Andrew. Yes, thank That's you, Andrew. Awesome. Thanks for having me back, guys. I love coming on. This is great. You guys rule. Oh, thank you. You you rule. You rule. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to Andrew Jupin for being on the show. Please check out the podcast. We hate movies. We love it so much. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. There's over 100 full-length miniseries episodes covering things like Futurama, King of the Hill, Batman the Animated Series, Mission Hill, and The Critic. And if you're at that $5 level, you also get monthly access to a uh, Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill, those are both monthly series exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and we have a ten dollar level too if you sign up for that you get access to all of the five dollar stuff but also access to one extremely long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, our premium podcast experience at the $10 level. You get all the $5 things Bob just mentioned, and then each month you get to hear us talk about an animated feature film, crazy in-depth, just like we do an episode of The Simpsons, which often means we talk for over five hours, sometimes even over six, about an animated feature film. This month, you're going to get to hear us talk about the first ever Batman Superman movie world's finest their first meeting in the DC animated universe the month before that we covered the 1941 Disney classic Dumbo and there's a huge back catalog of over 50 episodes of what a cartoon movie you could listen to everything from Akira to a goofy movie Beavis and Butthead do the universe to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse Shrek South Park all of it you can hear it for yourself if you head over to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons and sign up today and as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. Henry, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always tweeting up a storm there. And also... 
You should follow the official Twitter account of this podcast at Talk Simpsons Pod, as well as following at Talk Simpsons Pod on Instagram. If you want to stay up to date what's going on with new episodes on Patreon or say photos from our cool live show that we did or so many other awesome things, follow on Twitter and Instagram at Talk Simpsons Pod. And of course, head over to the website TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com for even more information. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you again next time for the latest episode of our community podcast, Talk to the Audience, and we'll see you then. be okay we'll get him a new dog one with an untwistable stomach oh come on i'm sorry but we just can't afford it Lord, make him stop Ooh. all right all right we'll find a way lousy manipulative dog